You are listening to the Grassroots StarCraft II podcast, episode 9, originally released on January 7th, 2023. This episode will be an interview with Masters 1 Protoss player and streamer from the UK, Chelch. All right. Hello, internet. Hello, hello. Mic check. It's been uh, a few months since we've had the podcast here. But we're back for 2023, and we've got a wonderful guest today, uh, Chelch. Over to you. Hello, hello. All right, welcome. Can you hear me okay? Yep, yep, it's looking nice. good. Everything works. Perfect. Yeah, welcome to the podcast. Um, this was a relatively last-minute podcast, at least for me. Uh, had a bit of a change of a direction on guests here, and uh, spoke to you about. I think two days ago or not even, and we threw this together last minute, I'd say. So I'm really appreciative of you coming on the podcast, uh, especially considering the time zone difference. I'm here, uh, West Coast US, and you're over in the UK, and it's God early in the morning, like four or five in the morning. So I, I really appreciate your time. Yeah, I think uh, most people know me, and I uh, kind of sleep like a bit of a degenerate. So this isn't too much of an issue for me. Okay, cool. All right, so we've got the doc together. Um, just like every other podcast, we have different sections that we're going to be talking about here. Um, we're going to go over player. Uh, we're going to go talk about Chelch as a streamer. Uh, we're going to talk about fan. Uh, we have one new section for the podcast, and it's I can't believe it took me this long to put it in the podcast. It's actually Stormgate. So that'll be a first for the podcast. Uh, we're going to have text-based Q&A in the chat. So as a kind of a heads up to the chat, if you're hanging out in the chat right now, I already see well, maybe at least one question in the chat. Um, feel free to post your questions to Chelch uh, in the chat, and we can address those at the end of the podcast. And at the end for the outro, we'll just uh, leave some time for you to plug your socials, plug your stream, um, your team, like any anything you want to say. Yeah, sounds good. Awesome. Okay, so uh, Chelch, I admittedly I, I don't think I've ever seen your stream. I, maybe you were streaming when I personally took a break from StarCraft for a handful of years. So I don't know as much about you. So I'm I'm excited for this podcast, and I, I want to talk about the ID Chelch and the kind of the pronunciation of it because I admittedly botched it. I apologize when I was streaming. I think yesterday, and uh, the kind of the history, like you know, how did how did you get the ID Chelch? Yeah, so the, the actual story behind the ID isn't really that interesting. It's probably fairly unique, but not very interesting. Um, there was a game back in the early 2000s. You, you've probably heard of it. You seem like the right sort of age. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic. That game was an absolute banger. Um, but basically, there was an auto-name generator when you make a character. Um, and I just kind of kept hitting auto-generate until it spat out Chelch. And for some reason, you know, when I was sort of eight or so, I thought, yeah, I like that. And then when I was signing up for other games like RuneScape, I needed a name and Chelch was just there. I really liked it because it's, you know, it seems like a, a name, but it's definitely, it's not a name and no one else has called that or anything like that, you know? Uh, it's just like a very short, unique ID. Uh, so that's, that's why I went for it. 
Um, with the pronunciation, like you, you are getting it right. It is Chouch. Um, the, there's a lot of people that get it wrong. Um, surprisingly, it tends to mostly be Americans and British people that mispronounce it. Uh, a lot of foreign people seem to get it right for some reason. Like there's a, a story from the first ever land that I went to, uh, where the caster, he's a guy from London, like, you know, not like a foreign or anything like that, would say Kletch, Clench, Kletch, Kletch. Kletch, like, that's he, the best one. The, he said Kletch, like there's no T in it, there's no N in it. Um, but yeah, so that started like an entire meme for, you know, years of people just mispronouncing and misspelling my ID. Um, which is kind of just stuck around, really. Uh, but yeah, it is Chelch. That, that is the, the pronunciation for it. Yeah, I think I pronounced it uh, Kelch without the H or something like that. But uh, maybe one of these alternate incorrect names will now become a meme in the uh, All Things Protoss uh, Discord if it's not already. So oh, it already is, trust me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah, so I think that's how we kind of connected primarily was the all things Protoss uh, Discord server. I, I'm in all of the race Discord servers. Um, I primarily play Zerg, but I do play all races. So uh, it was a good way for us to connect. And uh, just a side note, if anybody is in any Discord servers that, you know, StarCraft Discord servers, feel free to reach out to be on the podcast. I'd love to have anybody on the po podcast. Cool. So um, you're talking about RuneScape. Um, Another game that you had played in the past—that's kind of the origins of the of the ID. I know RuneScape. I've never played it, but it has a lot of uh, like nostalgia to it for sure. Yeah, definitely. That that was probably one of the the very first like online games I got into. Um, just like when I was very young, you know, everybody that I knew at school was playing it, so that's how I kind of got into that. And that was probably one of my first real sort of forays onto the internet, even mm -hmm. was through uh, RuneScape. Yeah. Awesome. I think I saw it was like Loco or somebody was playing RuneScape on his stream or like on his YouTube, something like that. Yeah, they, they remade the, the game. like They updated all the graphics and redid the, the combat and everything, and everyone hated it. So they just brought out the old version back from like 2007, and everyone just started playing that, and it's more popular now. Uh, like they've got a whole new game, and it's not nearly as popular as like this old clone that they put out. It's really funny. Kind of, kind of reminds me of World of Warcraft, like when they brought back Retail uh, Classic, sorry, and there was like a big hype for that. So, yeah, you can't overestimate nostalgia. Awesome. Okay, so that's a little bit more about your ID. Let's jump over to the next question here. Uh, when did you start playing StarCraft II? And you know, feel free to add in personal stuff if you know if it kind of relates to how you got into the game. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, so I've been playing pretty much the whole time for StarCraft 2, really. Um, I played it a little bit in the beta, um, and a little bit when it came out as well. But I didn't properly get into it until 2011, um, early 2011. And I remember exactly why as well. It was GSL March Code S Group E. Uh, I, I was just awake randomly at 5am, as, you know, I tend to do, even 10 years ago. And... I'd played a little bit of StarCraft, but I hadn't really seen too much of it by then. And I saw GSL was on. So, you know, I turn on GSL, and I saw this sick game on GSL with a, a Protoss player. And I was like, wow, I want to play like that guy. And that's what got me really into StarCraft and kind of really into grinding it. 
so yeah, I, I played pretty much from 2011, probably all the way up until probably about late 2012, 2013. Like, I played the the Heart of the Swarm beta. Uh, I got into that really early, actually. I, for some reason, I, I got a key really early. Um, and then I found out what a Swarm host was, and I thought, hmm, this isn't for me. So I didn't play pretty much from 2013 through to about 2018. Um, which is kind of like the opposite of you, I think, because uh, you said you've been out of it from 2018 to sort of 2021. But yeah, I picked it back up in 2018. Um, and I'd say I've been mostly consistent since. Like, I do take fairly decent breaks from the game, but yeah, since about um, mid-2018, like, I've been playing fairly consistently since then. Wow, it's it's amazing your memory for this, because you said, correct me if I'm wrong, you said... 2011 GSL Codas March. You even knew the group, Group E. You said. I mean, it's my favorite game of all time in StarCraft. So it's it's the one that I always remember. Um, I've got a good memory for that stuff. But yeah. And I'm really curious um, of the of the player. So I just muted my mic right now and I searched. And so it's actually from the official like Blizzard website. Do you remember the player name? Was it um, I, Trickster yeah. or Any Pro Prime? Uh, wait, maybe it wasn't Group E then. Um, but the group that I remember had uh, San, Nesty, and Snare, and Boxer. I'm pretty sure it was Group E. Um, but yeah, like, uh, the player in question was uh, San. And the reason why it kind of, like, really kind of inspired me a lot was because the second the cast, or even the, the GSL started, Tastosis were talking about how dead this guy was going to be. Because he was going up against Nesty, who was like a, a GSL sort of champion. Uh, this is the, the round of uh, 16, it looks like. So this was round of 32 that I was thinking. Oh, it was round of 32. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. But yeah, it was... Um, the, the player was called Sam, and he wasn't really even a pro gamer. Like, he only played sort of part-time. And Tastosis were talking about how this guy was one of the worst players in GSL. Like he'd made a huge error a couple of tournaments ago um, where he tried to fast expand and actually blocked his own nexus with a cannon. Had to kill the cannon um, just to even make his nexus and stuff like that. Uh, so he was going up against Nesty, who was a GSL champion, one of the best players in Korea. So obviously the expectation was that he would get destroyed. It was this crazy like 30, 35 minute macro game with like motherships and void rays and you know, warp prisms all over the map. Um, yeah, it, honestly, like I, I, when I saw it, I was just like, yeah, that, I want to play like that guy. Um, so that's what really got me into like playing every day and kind of trying to get better, uh, was trying to kind of emulate that player. Yeah, this is remarkable, bringing back memories. I don't know when I personally started watching GSL, but I, I do recall, I did watch back when Nesty was playing. Um, incredible player, you know, one of the OG... I would even say legends, uh, and it's yeah, yeah. it's crazy to see that Boxer was in that group too, and he went zero and three in that group. Um, maybe he was just kind of making the transition from Brood War at the time. I know he was like the captain of uh, I forgot what team it was for SC two a long uh, time. Slayers, Slayers, right? Yeah, Slayers, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, I actually thought that was an upset at the time. Actually, um, Boxer himself had actually done quite well already in StarCraft two by then. Um, I'm pretty sure he had a, a top four finish in one of the other GSLs. 
Um, so that even in itself was an upset for Sam to even beat Boxer. Um, but yeah, he, he destroyed that group. Um, and it was very unexpected. And he kind of went from being considered a complete joke to one of the best pros losses in Korea, just in the space of, you know, a couple of hours. Um, so it really was, you know, quite a, an interesting time, really. I'm, it's not coming back to me. I'm, I'm looking at his Wikipedia page and I see his, his face and his face is, uh, brings back memories, certainly. So, and I mean, or Boxer? San, San. No, no, I know Boxer for sure, but San. Uh, and his uh, approximate winnings are $111,000. I mean, it's nothing to laugh at at all. That's a lot of money. Yeah. There's a surprising number of Korean players, actually, that have got very high winnings. Uh, I think GSL always had, you know, very decent prize money, even if you were just getting to the round of 32 or the round of 16. So there were a lot of players that had won a lot of money that you may not have ever heard of, really, um, or you may not remember, really, just because they never really got that far into the actual tournaments. Um, but yeah, they always paid the, the players very well. Yeah, that, I imagine the money the money pool was a lot bigger back then. Certainly the game was, I mean, we can say now, in the the game was easier back then compared to how it is now um yeah it's kind of hard to say really because obviously it's the skill cap is a lot higher but the competition is a lot lower um so back then for example gsl was 64 players and even those 64 players you know like there was still plenty of people that couldn't qualify that were very very good so there was a lot more competition back then um, just a lot more like players in the pro scene in general. Uh, so you needed even a lot of luck to to get yourself on the map, really. Right to even get qualified. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, like there were players um, that were very very strong back then. Like everybody knew that they were going to be huge. They just couldn't break into the GSL. Like uh, Don Gregu, for example. You know, he really struggled to get into GSL, even though he was known as one of the absolute best players. Um, and he actually had to get a seed, I think, through other means, like by winning an MLG. Like he couldn't make it through the qualifiers. And that's so funny because I think he's still, he's actually in GSL like Codest now, like 10 plus years later. So, yeah, I think he had taken a, a break. I'm not sure if he was doing his military service. Um, I think he probably was, but I know he hadn't been around for a little while. For sure. Um, but yeah, he's he seems to be back now. Um, not quite the monster that he was but you know what's to be expected really would certainly destroy any one of us in the chat or either you or i <laughs> yeah completely <laughs> okay so let's go over to the next question here um what race did you first start playing and and what race do you play now was it always protoss or did you kind of experiment with Terran and zerg before you kind of settled with protoss so for me, it was always Protoss. Um, but I never thought I was going to play Zerg or Terran. The main thing is because I'd played other RTS games before. Um, so I played Warcraft 3, didn't really like it. Um, but when I was a kid, I played 2 quite extensively. Um, there was one in the Total Annihilation series, and another one uh, which was Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds which was done on the, the Genie engine, which was the same one as Age of Empires 2. But basically, when you play other RTS games, like if you come into StarCraft and you look at Terran, Terran is basically like pretty much every other RTS race, you know? 
like you train your units out of the barracks or the factory or the starport. Like most RTS games work like that. You just train your units out of buildings. So I was already familiar with that. And then I saw what Warpgate does. And I was like, the possibilities of what I could do with that were just, you know, too much to, to pass up, really. I was just thinking, oh, I can teleport an army into his base. I can make one on the map anywhere I want. So as soon as I realized what Warpgate did, you know, that for me was sealing the deal, really. Like, I couldn't play anything other than Protoss and also lasers. So <laughs> Lasers. Yeah, for sure. lasers. For sure. I actually played one of the, is it four? The latest Age of Empires. I played it for the first time, like end of last year, because I saw the hype around it. I think there was a free weekend on Steam to play it. So yeah, I see what you're talking about, like Terran being similar to other RTSs. And Protoss has had some changes as far as Warpgate goes over the years. When I took a break and I came back, I think I didn't, I observed that there's that thing of like slow warp ins now, where if you don't have the gateway in proximity of the warp in, like it for me, proxy pylon would be the same warp in time as compared to if a gateway was nearby. But that was a new thing for me coming back. But even even with that, you know, warp prism, recall, there's a lot of fun things about the race. Uh, I know it's it's memed a lot as a race. Like there's a lot of maybe even hatred towards the race, a lot of frustration. Maybe we can say that about every which matchup really. Um, but every time I watch Protoss, it's fun. It, it just, to me, it's like, I watch it and it's fun. And I, I tell myself, I want to play that, you know, as much as it gets dumpstered on like, Oh, like easy race, whatever. But it's to me, it, it looks fun. And isn't that the whole point of why we're playing games is having the main reason is to have fun, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if I was to be honest about it, I think, Warp gate, if you really think about it, is probably a badly designed mechanic. Um, like there's no real way around it. Um, it. It just is, really. Like it completely removes the concept of like defender's advantage, which is a very big issue. Um, so it's kind of tricky because if I'm being objective about it, it is probably bad. But it's just too cool, you know. So I, I really like it. Um, and I wouldn't really want Protoss to be any other way. Well, for all, <clears throat> all the pro Protoss players out there that want something similar for Stormgate, hopefully Stormgate's not in the chat or won't be listening to this in the future. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't... I, I, I know we might talk about Stormgate a bit later, but I can't see something like this being in Stormgate, like Warpgate. Um I mean, I hope there's something like it because, I, like I said, I just that—that's what really grabbed me was um, the the warp gate. Some of the unit designs as well, like the Colossus, I, I thought that looked really cool as well. And you know, kind of the the whole general aesthetic of like the the buildings and stalkers and things like that. Just, I, I just thought it looked a lot cooler and more interesting. Like, I don't get people that play Terran, right? Because you play World of Warcraft, right? Yeah. So let me ask you this. What kind of boring person would pick human in World of Warcraft when you've got all these fantastic different races you can play? Why would you play human? Because that's what it—that's what basically playing Terran is. Right. Yeah. As far as like just living out, playing in a fantasy world, and you're picking Terran, or I, I get this kind of the World of World of Warcraft equivalent of human. It's a fair—it's a fair question, but maybe some people, you know, they don't—they just like that, you know. It, it's more yeah. more relatable like i'm a human in real life i want to play something 
as close as possible, you know, in a game. I, I guess, yeah. <laughs> I mean, imagination I mean, isn't imagination isn't as wild, and, you know. <laughs> yeah. Savage alien bugs and lasers, and you just want to play some rednecks with guns, okay, <laughs> you know. Like to each their own, but you know, like they chose wrong. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, so you've been Protoss the whole time, um, just sticking to that race. I have a suspicion yeah. of what the answer to this next question will be. So what is your favorite matchup? <laughs> <laughs> so it actually does uh, cycle a little bit. Um, it's either PvP or PvZ. Um, I'll actually, I wonder if I can, I don't, I don't know if you'd be able to show this. Um, but there's a reason why I like PvZ so much. Um, and it's mostly because I tend to win it a lot. Um, so that's kind of the reason it cycles between PvP and PvZ. Um, my PvP was always kind of strong as well, um, especially a few patches ago, because it was mostly just about who could execute their build order the tightest and just do the best attack. Um, so PvP for a while was my favorite matchup, um, but these days it, I think it's got to be PvZ. Um, I've just found a, a way of playing that I really enjoy. And I tend to have a very, very high win rate in PvZ. Um, like the players that I can beat in that matchup are like significantly above who I can beat in um, the other two matchups usually. Uh, so yeah, it's it's probably got to be PvZ. All right. So uh, kind of the top two are PvP and PvZ, but it looks like PvZ wins it out as your favorite matchup. I had you and uh, I would say some of your fans from the All Things Protoss Discord send in a bunch of clips and things to talk about. Some of them I looked at were um, like Sky Terran, or uh, excuse me, Sky Toss, right? So is that the style that you like to play in that matchup? Yeah. Um, so I think that's the one that I'm doing at the moment. Um, it's not always the way that I've played, but the overall like, opener that I use isn't really too important to me. It's where I end up. So in PvZ, what can happen is if you get into like a kind of a later game, the Zerg will just make 50 Spore Crawlers and put their army on top of those Spore Crawlers. And then you can't really fight into them. But they also don't want to leave. So you're kind of, you know, in a bit of a... You're kind of stuck there. Uh, so what ends up happening is you've got to make like Tempest as well. And that's basically my entire style. I will sit over... 30 cannons and 30 batteries with like six tempests and then i will just pick away at them until they have mined out the entire map and run out of money um so and for whatever reason that's what i enjoy um you know it's just that micro battle and it's this long drawn out micro battle as well i'm talking like 30 minutes of like back and forth soulcaster battles micro and your tempests um yeah, for whatever reason, that's just really how I enjoy playing PvZ. Um, so these days in PvZ, I play... Um, it's a little bit of an older build, but it's two Stargate Voidray into Carrier. Um, because that gets me to that situation, I think, the easiest. Um, but I have played other things as well. I did used to play um, kind of a fast storm style into Carriers. So it wasn't air toss straight away as an opener. But that is always where I end up. Like, I always end up going into the Sky Sauce. 
when I play Protoss versus Zerg and I'm, I'm the Protoss, I love playing Sky Toss as well. It, it's just fun. And I, I think I'll try, I don't have the exact build order or certainly not the mechanics and execution skill level that you, you are, but I think I'll try this two star gate opener. It sounds like you get a third base a little bit later um, than maybe like a gateway man style of like 345-ish, but... Um, Oh, I think you are muted. Did you mute yourself on Discord? I see the little mute icon and I can't hear you. There we, there we go. I'm not sure how that happened. Yes, I'd actually say these days that's not really so much the case. Um, like in PvZ, it's relatively standardized these days where you go for a very fast third off one Stargate and then you do your follow-up afterwards. So from that fast third, you can either go into your two Stargate style or you can go into you know your Gateway Man style or really whatever you want. You know, you can play Colossus, you can play Blink Stalker, whatever you want, really. But it's that, um, up until that kind of 350 third base, um, I'd say that's pretty standard. And then from there, it all branches out into different things. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, do one, yeah, of the, yeah. one of the links in the chat, or in the doc, I mean, or what you sent me in the DM, is this uh, an example of Sky Toss that you were talking about? That we, that um, we well, could... I just DM'd you on uh, Discord, do you mean? Oh. Um... Or... Okay, yeah, so you sent me a, a, a Twitter link here. <laughs> that, that's just a highlight of why I like PPZ, really. Um, it's about a year old now, but it's still about the same. Um, like I check my stats pretty frequently, and it, it's about the same, to be honest. Um not quite perfect on the other two matchups. And oh, wow. This, okay, this is like... Okay, so I just I gave the link in the chat. I uh, also want to be mindful of folks that are listening to this podcast in the future that um, can't see the link. I'm not going to have every link in the in the show notes here, but uh, this is a, a tweet from Chelch back in uh, December 21st, 2021, so a little bit over a year ago, and you're saying, I want more Zergs on ladder. It's a screenshot of your 1v1 current season history for each matchup. PvP, you're 49%. You know, pretty, let's say 50%. PvT, a little bit lower at 42 But then if you look at PvZ, you are 22 and 2. This is 91%. I don't think I ever see a percentage this high for a particular matchup, unless we're talking like pro gamer, really. Um Maybe I'm misspeaking here, but I mean, I, I look at random opponents on ladder. I'll even look at like, you know, GM, random GM accounts from time to time and see their win rates for particular matchups. And 90, 90% is absurd. You know, it's supposed to be calibrated that, let's say, majority of your matchups are 50%. Maybe you have one of them that you're really good at, but it might be like 70%, right? 60%, even 80% is a stretch. So for you to be 92%, in a matchup, uh, we have a lot of your fans saying God in chat. Describing goes Chelch God in chat. So, yeah, that's that's really remarkable. Even some of the re sweet replies, like from Hitman, or Holy Hit, sorry, not Hitman. <laughs> uh, what the hell are you doing to them? Yeah. I make Void Ray. <laughs> that was what you did back then. Um, it's, it kind of developed a little bit more over time, but that was pretty much what you did. You just made a whole bunch of Void Rays, and then you were safe against everything, and got your carriers, and then yeah, just kind of won. Oh, so was this before the before the Void Ray nerf? 
yes. So okay. this was... I mean, I still play the exact same way, and I have pretty much the exact same win rate. Well, I was looking the other day, and I think it is about 85% or something at the moment. Yeah, so that's... It's pretty much the same, to be honest. Very impressive, yeah. Um, but yeah, like my whole thought on PvZ was these two-hour games, what if I just focused on them and figured out how they work and how to win them, and then just drag my opponent into one of them? Because <laughs> my logic is if I've thought it out and I know what I'm doing, then, that, you know, I'm playing like on my field, right? Um, so that, that's basically what I try to do with PvZ. Um, you know, make them play my game. Um, but that's why I would say I enjoy it so much, because I win a lot, and I like winning. A lot of people, I would say myself certainly included, I, I don't want to play really long endurance games. It's it's mentally, I would even say kind of physically tiring on your hands and your wrists to play a 30 plus minute or even longer type of game. And it, it's, you you get to, if you're not a very patient player, you get to the point of frustration and your performance goes down, you're going to start to make mistakes. You might even just like try to face roll your army into into a player like you just to end the game or hope that you can just win. And But for a more patient player like you that's willing to, you know, make them play your game, like you said, it's... Uh, I, I think Maru kind of does this in late game TVT, right? Is it? I think it's TVT, something like that. He has a turtley style in one of his matchups and uh possibly tvz maybe i've heard a lot of i uh, see i don't really watch non-protoss matchups but i've heard that ghost turtle is very very strong um so that's i think what i'd heard the most from from maru but i like, i really don't watch much if, it, if there's no protoss involved it's uh it's not for me mm -hmm. yeah definitely okay um, we still have a lot of questions here, so let's keep moving on here. Um, so favorite unit in the game? Um, to be honest, I don't really feel like I have a unit like that where I'm, you know, it's my favorite unit. Because, um, you know, I tend to mostly have compositions and strategies that I like rather than, oh, I really like this unit, so I'm going to do a strategy based around it. If I had to pick one, though, it would be the Tempest. Um, because in those kind of long games, those long drawn out PVZs, I really do enjoy that micro battle with the Tempests. But I really do enjoy the fact that I can, you know, pick away at them from, you know, halfway across the map. And I know they're sitting there getting frustrated about it and they can't do anything. Um, maybe I'm just toxic, but it's fun. And I know I'm ruining the game for someone. And that's really what playing Prozos is all about. Playing against Tempest, I, I know that feeling of what you're talking about, where like your units get hit from something that's not in not in vision almost, and it's uh, it's certainly like what the fuck is going on kind of moment. Yeah, it's like this kind of helpless feeling where you you can't do anything about it. Um, that's yeah. So if I had to pick it, it'd be the Tempest, but I don't really kind of see the units in that way where I'm like, yeah, this is my favorite unit, you know. Uh, like some people will say, you know, oh, I love stalkers. I just make stalkers all the time, that kind of thing. But I'll, I'll play anything as long as it gets me into that late game situation. Um, so yeah, it's I, I wouldn't say I've got like a, a favorite unit. Okay. 
it's not really a favorite unit, but if you absolutely had to pick kind of the Tempest. Yeah, yeah. Buff Tempest. <laughs> buff Tempest. <laughs> Speaking of buffs, maybe we can take a little bit of a, a derail here to talk about, informally talk about the patch notes. We don't have to go through everything, but a couple of things come to mind, and it's... The, the, let's talk about the Protoss changes, right? So I think there, sure. were, some, there were some changes for Carrier, um, something with like the Interceptor Health I saw in like a Hearthstone video. No. Um, any comments from you about the Protoss changes that you've seen? Like, I think they fixed the fat, the, the battery uh, exploit where if you hold the stop command, it, it charges it up in a sense. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think um, most of the changes, I'm not really too bothered about them that much. Um, you made one point about the carrier interceptor HP. Um, in the most recent version of the patch notes, they've actually taken that out. So that's not a thing anymore. Like the interceptors will still have the same health. Uh, the main change that the, or in fact, the only change now to carriers is that the interceptors have a lower priority. Um, but I don't think that really affects me that much. Um, you know, I feel like the Zergs that I'm playing that are like master one GM, you know, they're, they're not really going to be that dependent on it. Um, you know, they're going to be able to control their corruptors and target fire and things like that. So it, it's not really that important. Um, and as I said, like the interceptor HP has been um, like reverted anyway. So that's literally the only change. It's just the interceptor priority. And it's just not a big deal, I think, unless you know you're in kind of a lower league. Um, so yeah, it's it's not too bad. Um, the things that I'm more worried about for my style or the style that I'm playing right now is obviously Hydras are going to be a lot faster. And obviously that will make it harder to get into that late game situation. Uh, and then the other big thing as well uh, would be the Disruptor nerf. Because the way that I play this basically is, you know, you'll go Void Ray and Disruptor to kind of survive while you get your carriers out. And obviously with the Disruptor ball being nerfed, that could impact things as well. Um, so overall, I think it might be a little bit harder to survive um, and get to the point that I want. But I think if I get to that point, it's going to be basically unchanged. Right. I think I was watching a slightly older video of Hearthstone where he was um, maybe playing the change that had the, H the HP change for the Interceptors. But I think now I recall an even newer video where he was playing versus Lambo, and he was explaining that pretty much what you said is that let's say you have Sky Toss versus Corruptors, and in particular Carriers. Prior to the patch, the Carriers would, or the, sorry, the Corruptors would default target the Interceptors. And if this patch goes live at some point, which I don't think it has yet, the default targeting for corruptors would be the carriers. And like you said, it wouldn't affect like the lower leagues. Correct me if I'm if I'm misspeaking here, um, but at the higher leagues, um, it's I guess it doesn't really matter as much. Yeah, it really won't. It, at the pro level, it will absolutely make no difference. At my level. Um... Occasionally, people do mess up and start attacking the interceptors a little bit. Um, so that can happen from time to time. Um, but for the most part, like, you know, the Zergs I play are capable of controlling their armies and target firing down the carriers anyway. Um, so I don't think it's going to impact my, my game that much. Yeah, the, the game that I saw, Hearthstone did like a Phoenix kind of opener. 
against Lambos and, and Lambo, you know, went crazy creeps, red Zerg queen. Um, I don't think there was like really any roaches, but Hydras definitely do seem like a threat to sky toss style players. They look insanely fast. Um, I think it, what is it? It's the movement speed. Is it also a buff to something else too? I forgot. Uh, I believe it is just the movement speed. I think um, I might need to double check that. But I'm I'm almost certain it is just the movement speed. Um, I, I might double check that later. But like either way, I think like the main problem will be that they'll be able to to kind of pull the the sky toss player apart a lot easier. Like it's going to be a lot harder to secure those four bases. Because that's what you really need when you're playing like these kind of high tech styles is to get to eight gases, so that you can afford everything you need. Um, like I often feel when I'm playing carriers in any matchup that if I get to four bases, I just kind of win. Right. But if I if I get that for free, you're done. Yep. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you have um, that big economy, the eight gases, like you said, and uh, Zergs can meme. They can make sixty six drones on three bases and just pump hydras and now that hydras are faster they're going to get to your your base faster from what i heard the creep spread change is nominal where the, i think they tested even like i heard that even like scarlet's fastest creep spread it didn't make an impact the post the the, the creep spread like cooldown being slightly changed didn't even really make an impact on like the total amount of creep at, at the end of a given game so yeah so i think there were a couple of things about that. Um, one thing that uh, I think it was Hero Marine looked at this. He was looking at some pro Zerg replays um, because the change itself was basically once you you know like spread a creep tumor, there's a cooldown before you can make another one, and that's what they'd changed. They'd increase that cooldown. So the issue was that he was looking at some top Zerg replays, and he was realizing that they weren't really always spreading creep when it was immediately off cooldown anyway. So did this nerf really make a difference? Um, and obviously, you know, from what you just said, it sounds like it hasn't. Um, again, they have come out with some amended patch notes, though, and they've increased it a little bit more, I think. So we'll have to see if that, you know, the, the updated version does make any difference. Um, I haven't really been following, you know, games on YouTube and stuff too much yet. Um, like I'm kind of waiting for the patch to go live um to, to really get a feel for things so yeah I'll, I'll have to see really um but i don't really think it's really gonna make too big a difference and actually i do think some of the changes are a buff to the way that i play um if i get to that point because like i said i i really enjoy these kind of late game sky toss wars and two of the biggest changes for that are the High Templar are getting a movement speed increase and the Viper is getting a nerf to abduct so that it can't just yoink, say, two or three units at the same time. Um, so that's actually going to make it a lot easier for me for the style that I play because it's going to be easier to, you know, maneuver my Templar, feed back the Vipers. And even if I do mess up, he can't just pull, you know, three capital ships into his Spore Crawler Forest. Um... So overall, I actually think that in the way that I play, it's probably going to be a buff in that situation. It's just going to be more difficult to get there. Um, but I, to be honest, like I, I don't really like the patch, but not because of any of the changes. Um, it's more that it's not really addressing what I don't like about the game. 
rather than you know anything that I think is kind of imbalanced or too strong or anything like that. Um, but I, I really wanted them to address something in PVT um, because I feel like a lot of the changes they made over the years have given Terran a lot of build order variety. And it's kind of too difficult to know what they're doing most of the time, especially if they open double gas or something like that. You know, if a Terran opens very quick double gas into factory, good luck guessing what he's doing, right? <laughs> you know, he could be going Hellions, Widow Mines, Banshee, Liberator, a drop, a tank push, you know. And that these all have very different responses and reactions. And yeah, I, I think. Uh, they've probably got a little bit too much that they can do. No, no one thing is too strong. It's just that the range of possibilities is quite hard to deal with. So I, I was hoping to see something address that. Um, you know, maybe some kind of buff to scouting or taking away one of their options, but yeah, it didn't seem like that was the way they went with the patch, unfortunately. Yeah, <clears throat> it seems like the primary objective of the patch was to introduce new... Um almost even play styles, right? Like Zergs that are kind of hesitant about Hydras and in ZVP. Now you're going to see them more. Um, Terrans that are kind of iffy about using Banshees. They're really pushing speed Banshees now. Um, and it seems like in order for something to be quote unquote fixed, however we say, uh, define whatever that is, there has to be a more glaring type of issue. Like I know for uh, PVT, the proxy void rate thing with the battery was an issue for Terrans. You needed the Cyclone upgrade, you need bunker or whatever, and that was kind of fixed, quote unquote, in a sense. So it might maybe for them, their mindset is like, this has, has to be a really glaringly bad issue for us to address it. And we want to introduce a variety of play styles. I agree with you about um, just as a alt races type of player, even thinking about PV, PVT in particular, I totally agree with you about that early game. If Terran opens double gas, what does Protoss have, right? To Are you really going to make a sentry early game and hallucinate a Phoenix to scout, to see, like, is it um, BC? Is it Banshee? Is it, a, is it a mind drop? Mind drop is still very popular. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, one issue as well is that you kind of can't open sentry, I think. Um, particularly, not necessarily with the, the double gas builds, but what they can do is uh, a lot of the time my worker will get to their base and they've completely walled off. Um, so, you know, they've half built a supply depot and they've built a barracks and another depot, so I just can't get in. So that's a problem because at that point, I don't know if they have gas. They could have, you know, four more barracks up there ready to do a Marine SCV pull. Yep. They could have got three CC up there for all I know. I've seen that in GSL games before. Um, so that's another problem as well. Um, so like, if you were to open Sentry, for example, and they do a Marine SCV pull, you're probably just going to die. <laughs> um, there's not really too too much you can do about that. I think, um, yeah, I think we have to objectively look at the timing of what we're talking about here. So we're talking about like relatively early game scouting here. If you look at yeah, the game, yeah. if you look at the game clock for particular matchups, certainly overlords can hit a base by like one, one mid one minute, two minute time frame. Terrans can really, if they want, they could use that second mule as a scan. I don't know if it's roughly that same time frame, but aside from, I don't think an observer would hit maybe a hallucinated phoenix would hit that same time frame but like you said that's not 
an opener that you do in any matchup maybe in yeah. maybe in pvz if you do like i think there was like a estrella or something like century opener for like a or a P, i forgot which matchup it was don't quote me here on this but i actually think it was pvc <laughs> it was pvt like was a fast a fast it was like a fast third right with centuries or something yeah like i think that build mostly assumed um that they were playing like a, a fast expansion themselves um so something like a one gas build you know like a, a reaper expand or a marine expand um and like the issue with going for that fast sentry build like Australia did is that it really delays your tech quite a lot um so i don't think it's very safe versus like double gas um because you know obviously things like cloak mines are quite a big threat um you do see it in pvp as well like the the sentry openers um because force field in pvp is very very good defensively as well um like it's very very useful to kind of stop all ins and things like that um but yeah like overall that i think was probably just my biggest issue with the patch was just it, it didn't really like get to the issue of what i didn't like um you know i mean it, maybe it's a bit early to tell because sentries have had uh, a little buff but I, d I don't think that buff is going to justify going for a sentry early game when you don't know if they're one base or not. Um, and then the other thing is that they buff the observer speed. So you will get a faster scout. It's just that, you know, you've already committed down the path of Robo, which is quite problematic because if it turns out that they're not all inning you and they're just macroing, I feel like a robotics facility is like one of the worst things that you can have um you really don't have that much ability to put pressure on you don't have blinks so you can't deny drops or anything like that you know a robo just feels very painful as a process player as your your first tech building in a macro game um so even though you'll be able to get a faster scout with the observer like i'm not really sold on it yet but you know we'll have to see how it how it feels on the patch i guess yeah, definitely. We don't. I I didn't put a dedicated section for the patch, but I guess we can kind of just go down this this conversation here about the patch. Um, does will the patch? You know, these are kind of ad hoc questions. Will the patch um, bring you back to play the game more, or even possibly stream more? Um, I don't think it will stop me from playing really. Um, like I don't think it's really changed whether I'll play or not. Like like I say, it has... The things that frustrate me still exist, um, but they aren't really kind of what put me away from the game, really. That was more just kind of like personal circumstances, just lack of time, really, you know? Um, like for me, if I don't play like every day, I start to drop off hard, and I don't like playing if I feel like I'm dropping off and it kind of, you know, it's a kind of a feedback loop, you know? Like you miss one day of playing and then you're terrible so you don't want to play and then it's two days and then you're even worse and so on um but yeah i don't, I don't think the patch is gonna really change whether i'll play or stream more um but yeah like i'll you know maybe i'm completely wrong and someone will figure out a, a really cool new build order so like, i'll definitely be like watching games when the patch comes out just to see what changes and how people approach it like at the, the higher levels okay Cool. So it sounds like you're you're still pretty active in the, with the game. The patch isn't really going to change that too much. Um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I still play a fair bit. 
Okay, so I think we talked about the next question here. Well, this is a very like cut and dry uh, Q and A, but like, what is your current MMR range? Um, so my current MMR is uh, it's just over five point one k. That's uh, like my most up to date. Uh, I took a little break over Christmas, but I started like playing a little bit more and got back over five point one again. Um, but I tend to have a bit of a variable MMR because I do take you know fairly frequent breaks. I think no matter how rusty I get, I probably will always be at least 4.5k. I feel like I can always, you know, like comfortably take anybody at that level most of the time. Um, but I think my overall peak was 5260. Um, I feel like I can probably push further than that. Um, I just never really kind of sat down and, and did it. Um, but yeah, so at the moment, about 5.1. That's... Which is you know pretty low sort of GM on EU sometimes. It depends on what time of time of the season I think. It's a very impressive MMR. I think I was talking with you over Discord about it yesterday. That if you're if you're in the Starcraft community, people might dumpster on like a oh you're you're only five one, but if you kind of zoom out and you look at the big picture, I look at a five one player as remarkable being like a three five three six player. Um, so congratulations on achieving such a high MMR for a, such an insanely difficult game, if not the hardest, one of the hardest games ever in a multiplayer existence. And I want to, yeah, I think of it the same way, really, because I can remember being 4k and thinking, God, I'm never going to get past this MMR. It's too hard, you know? So that's why I tend to not feel too bad about my, my MMR most of the time. Cause I can remember being a lot lower and thinking I'm never going to get any better. Um, so I, I don't, I don't feel too badly about it really. So what did that journey look like for you? You said you were at some point you were 4k. Where, where did you start with the beginning of the beginnings of Starcraft two? So I started right in bronze league in, uh, 2011. Um, I think I crushed my way up pretty quickly through to platinum league. Um, <laughs> I had such a bad build order. I literally just went one base Colossus. Um, every game, every matchup. Um, so what I would do is literally just rush out a Colossus as fast as I could. Take that Colossus, no range, by the way, just a Colossus with no range and whatever ragtag gateway units I had and just YOLO across the map. Um, and because I think I had, you know, a relatively tight, like, timing and attack, it was very easy to cut through, like, bronze, silver, gold quite quickly. Sometimes I switched it up, you know, if I wanted to be creative, you know, instead of a Colossus, it might be an Immortal, or, you know, instead of an Immortal, maybe a Void Ray. Um, but the point was, I just rushed out one tech unit and just all in them. Um, so I pretty much just did that through to Platinum League. Um, and then after that, um, this was before Discord was a thing. So I was in the, I think it was the Team Liquid IRC channel. Um, let's show my age a little bit. And I was just generally asking for help um, because I couldn't beat these Platinum Zergs. I thought that was my problem, Zerg players. Um, it wasn't the fact that I was doing a one-base Colossus all in every game. No, no, no. It was Zerg. Uh, you know, I, I needed to beat Zerg. Uh, so I was asking for help in the IRC channel, and a, um, a Finnish Zerg who was like kind of high diamond, low masters called McCoyvis, um DM me and was like, hey, I'll, you know, help you out. I'll, you know, go over some games with you, see what we can teach you. And he ended up looking at my games and he was like, right, 
you just need build orders. Like, what you're doing is complete trash. Scrap this. And then he linked me uh, three posts um, on Team Liquid and said, learn these, come back to me, and we'll play some practice games. So I think that one of them was uh, like a three-gate sentry expand. But that's the, the kind of builds people did back then, right? You go three-gate on one base, build up a whole bunch of sentries, and then expand. Um, and then you would use those sentries to like pressure and things like that. And you'd also obviously, well, you had to research Hallucinate back then, but you'd have Hallucinate for scousing. Um, so with his help, I ended up, you know, getting into Diamond League fairly quickly after that. It took me about another month or two. So I'd say by that point, I'd been playing for about six months. And then I really had to grind. Like, it probably took me about another, like, three, four, five months, maybe, before I finally got to Masters. Um, and that that was uh, quite a hype moment, really, because back then you didn't actually know if you were going to get promoted. Like, you didn't have MMR. So I would just sit there, and, like, for about two weeks, I only played Masters players. And I was beating them. And I'm like, why am I still Diamond? When's this going to change? <laughs> and then just randomly one day it just pops up. You've been promoted to Masters. Uh, so I was very, very happy about that. Um, and then from there, like, you know, I kind of felt like I'd met my goal, really. So I didn't really have much else to do. Like, this was about, like... Probably late 2011. Um, and then something very, very big got announced, which was the World Championship Series, or WCS. Um, I don't know if you remember that, but it was like the, the precursor to you know what we have now with EPT. I've been to the Burbank studio when it was yeah. a thing. Yep. But the way they structured it was very hype. Um, so what they'd done was... Uh, basically every country had like their own you know qualifier and then that qualifier went into like a continental finals and then the continental finals went into the world finals so for the uk we had eight online qualifiers um the top two from each qualifier would advance to a live finals so 16 players in london like blizzard would have paid for everybody to go down they literally flew tastosis out to london to cast this and everything so as soon as I saw this, I was like, right, you know, this is it. This is, you know, me taking a shot. I'm going to grind, see how good I can get. And I literally practiced like a Korean because I'd just finished um, like school by then. Um, you know, I'd saved up a little bit from some part-time jobs and stuff. So, you know, I thought, you know what, I'll just give it a go for like, say, a few months. Like, I think it was probably about six months. And I just grinded every day i'd wake up play starcraft you know east play more starcraft go to bed wake up more starcraft until these qualifiers rolled around and i wasn't the best player in the uk um by any means there was a lot of people way better than me but i still felt like i could qualify for that but it'd have to be one of the later ones so the the big players like you know the muslim and people like that like i wouldn't stand a chance against them I knew I could qualify for that live event. I knew I was good enough to do it. And when it started to get to the later qualifiers, because um, obviously I'd get knocked out in the early ones, you know, I knew I couldn't beat. Like, the Muslim absolutely destroyed me in one of them. Um, but I didn't stand a chance. Uh, but when it got to the later ones, I was like, right, this is it. This is my chance. And then it, I think it was the last two qualifiers, my power supply just exploded, basically. So I desperately ordered a new one, got it in time for this last qualifier, and then my new one died. 
and that was it and i couldn't play and so it was all that work for nothing um so that was probably the most depressing story of uh starcraft ever but yeah that's most of my grind up from bronze league to i would say high masters and around that time as well that was when infested broodlord was getting very strong back in wings of liberty um so that was obviously frustrating people quite a lot and i wasn't having fun with the game so i was putting everything all my hopes on heart of the swarm fixing everything i was thinking you know what it doesn't matter if i sit here and get destroyed by infested broodlord all day i'm improving my mechanics it doesn't matter by the time heart of the swarm comes out everything will be fixed and then i got into the heart of the swarm beta and then i found out what swarm hosts are and then i went no no thank you <laughs> and then i did not play the game for five years um and yeah that's pretty much it so i came back in 2018 uh no clue what was going on because obviously you know they changed everything like the the worker starts um like they, they increased the workers and things like that um so i came back and i think i'd landed at about 3.6k mmr just with no real idea what i was doing um so i got some like, i paid for a little bit of coaching because gemini um one of the guys from who like runs all things protoss has some very cheap coaching so i was like let me get some coaching off this guy so i felt like you know i was probably somebody that could really benefit from it because i had the mechanics i just didn't know anything so after that coaching from gemini i think i went up to about diamond one pretty quickly um within probably about a month and then I had to grind really hard again to get to Master League. Uh, that probably took like a few more months. So I think within about six months of coming back in 2018, I'd managed to get back to Master League. Um, and then, yeah, like from there, I just kind of kept grinding, really. Um, eventually got back up to like Master 1. I've scraped into GM a few times, but I don't feel like it's real GM. Um, but the thing is, like, it's kind of hard to say what is and isn't GM these days. Um, because like when I first came back, uh, GM was... On Europe, it was like 5.5, 5.6. And these days, it's like 5.1, 5.2. So for me, I feel like if I get 5.5, 5.6, I'm a GM player. But some people will call me GM because I've gotten it at 5.1, 5.2. But it's it's kind of hard to know really whether that is or isn't GM. Um, you know, not not to like shit on people that have got there because I'm I'm talking about me. Um, but yeah, like, I I don't know whether it counts or not. Like I don't tend to describe myself as like a, a GM player though. I tend to say Master One if people ask what level I am. So yeah, that's um, pretty long-winded explanation of uh, like where I started and where I got to, I guess. What an incredible journey, you know, going from Bronze League in 2011 and within the same year, you know, you go from Bronze all the way up to like, what was it, Diamond? I think the same year you got Master. At the end of the end of the year, you grinded it out, like you said, like a, like a Korean, like a pro player. Yeah, and I got very lucky, actually. One other person I forgot to mention, actually, was um, there was somebody that gave me a lot of help after I got to Master League um and actually uh this will probably come up later as well uh the guy's name is monk if you've ever heard of him um he works for frost giant now i was gonna uh, say the blizzard the blizzard employee the former blizzard employee yeah 
the very same, yeah. Like, he was a very, very good player in Wings of Liberty. Like, he would just destroy me with all three races. And then, you know, I'd just be there getting salty, and he'd be like, right, just stop complaining about the balance. You're being an idiot. Like, actually sit there, practice, and get better, you know? Um, I think he was a lot politer about it than that. But, yeah, I was... Like he he gave me a lot of help and a lot of uh, a lot of good advice over the over the years as well. Um, so yeah, like that's pretty much it in a nutshell for me. I think for you to for you to demonstrate on two separate occasions, you improving multiple leagues initially 2011 going from bronze all the way to master league, and then again you know taking five years off and going from what is my where I've been. Ever since I came back, my MMR have been struggling at to going back to high master league. And I say, if you've if you've been if you've been ever been promoted to GM, you're you're a GM player. You could say currently you're a high master league player, but there's that whole debate of like start of the season. I think NA gets as low as like four seven or four eight for like GM. Um, but yeah, yeah. if if you've been GM before, you're a GM caliper type of player. You, a lot of people are like, oh, if you're not 6K, if you're not 7K, you're not GM. Like, come on, man. Yeah. You know, like... But I mean, yeah. I've definitely beaten players that I would consider GM-level players. Um, like, I don't know if I ever will fully feel comfortable describing myself as a GM. Um, I feel like I'd really want to get, like, another couple of hundred MMR or so before I'd definitely say it for sure. Um, but like, I know I can definitely beat people that are GM level. Um, but I'd be, I'd be happy enough to say that about myself at least. Totally. And we can definitely acknowledge any Twitch chat. Everybody in there is automatically GM. So everybody. And it's, it's so cool. I didn't know about Monk. I had heard that like David Kim plays random and he was a, like a high level player back then. But for you to play a Blizzard employee back then is like an amazing, like gem in time of you playing a like a blizzard employee on ladder like i hope we we have that yeah. opportunity with stormgate where this was um actually before he worked for blizzard um like he was just you know just another guy really back then um i think it was a couple of years after that that he joined blizzard because he kind of designed that whole kind of co-op system basically um so i think it was sometime in heart of the swarm or something that he must have started working for blizzard because I know he stopped playing actively because, if I remember rightly, he had some kind of uh, accident and I think he severed a couple of his fingers. Oh, wow. So he wasn't really able to play at, like, you know, the level that he used to. So I think um, that's probably why he got a bit less active playing StarCraft 2. But, you know, that's one of the reasons, you know, why I'm excited for Stormgate as well, you know, just because, you know, I know he's a smart guy and I know that he you know, knows what needs to go into a game to make it great. You know, so I've kind of got like a, a very personal perspective on that. It would be fun, quite funny and ironic if Stormgate beta rolls around, just like Starcraft, you got in the beta, you get in the Stormgate beta, and then you play him on Stormgate ladder. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've never beaten him, so uh, I'd like to get a, a, a shot at him. I don't think uh, it would ever really count now, though, because of the, the thing with his uh, his fingers. Yeah. Um, but I'd never really, you know, count that as real. And and this time around, hopefully, it's not the same power supply, um, or different. Maybe it was the same brand or different brands that kind of blew up on you for the WCS qualifiers. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was a depressing time. 
that was like six months of work just for for nothing basically i mean i gotta say that that six months is probably what built up like the majority of my mechanics um you know that was why i was able to like just come back and be like you know 3.6 with no clue what was going on right um just because i had spent so much time grinding in the past like you know you, you only forget so much um the muscle memory always stays with you yeah i mean you you, you proved it like five year gap where you know you're you're right back at where you excelled to yeah it definitely took some work don't get me wrong i didn't uh walk back into it but yeah, I was quite happy to. That that was my goal, really, to get to like Master One, just to get back to where I thought I was when I quit in Wings of Liberty. Awesome. Well, this was a good talk about um, the patch a bit, and now we're kind of going back into you as a player. Um, so, a couple more questions here, and then we can maybe go about specific things about your kind of styles. Um, do you have a favorite? like cheese per matchup that you do or are you typically like a a macro kind of player so i think that's actually a funny one um obviously i would say the main like we've discussed before about the the pvzs going on for like you know an hour an hour and a half um so in that respect obviously uh, you know you've got to say i'm very very macro focused um one of the tournaments that i play in a lot is called epiclan uh which is a like a, a live event at the uk and a lot of the people there think I'm very cheesy. And I don't argue with them, but I'd prefer them to think I'm cheesy. Um, like I played uh, a Terran player called Razorblader, and all I had to do was just hide a pylon somewhere on the map, and he was panicking. He had, like, two SCVs scouring the map, like, what is this guy's proxy? What's he going to do to me? I wasn't doing anything. I just hit a pylon, you know? But like he thought I was a very cheesy player, and I don't really do anything to you know to dissuade people of that assumption. I think it's kind of handy to you know have people think that of you. Um, but overall, I would say my play style is mostly macro focused. Um, there's another tournament, like an online one, that I used to play called Legion Cup. Uh, it's since rebranded to Vulcan Cup now because uh, Sidestorm Gaming sponsored it. Um, but in that tournament, my approach mostly was, I don't care if you know what I'm doing. I don't care if you watch all my replays. I'm going to do the exact same thing. Um, because I, I just try and play in a way that can beat everything. You know, where I can scout everything, I can beat everything. Uh, you know, and try and play in like a really solid way. But that being said, I do have other builds that I like. Um, Mostly I try and make the cheeses, like my favorite cheeses are things that look like my normal build, but they're not. So let's say like I like playing Blink, for example. Uh, so obviously with that, you open with a Twilight. So sometimes instead of going Blink, I'll just hide a Dark Shrine on the map. Just to make sure that, you know, to keep them honest, really. Like, you know, I don't want them assuming that it's always going to be Blink. You know, you can't cut corners. Like I, I do stuff like that. Even if I don't think it will necessarily work, I just don't want people getting greedy against me. But yeah, I like cheeses that look like my normal build um, to try and trick them, basically. You know, make them think it's a macro game. So yeah, it'd be things like um, DTs is one of my favorite cheeses. And then as well as that, in PvZ, I really like Charger All-Ins. Because I think that you can do a lot of builds that um, look 
you know, macro-oriented. Like, I'll open with a Stargate, make a Void Ray, kill all his overlords while I'm going charge and pulling off gas and making, like, eight gateways. Um, things like that, you know? So, yeah, it's it's mostly, like, misdirects that I, that I enjoy, really. I do like the odd cannon rush occasionally as well, you know? Gotta, uh, you gotta love a cannon rush. I love, I love cannon rushing in PVZ. It's so much fun. It's a, it's yeah. a quick game. You know, you're either gonna get it or you're not. You know, uh, it's not. Gonna you know, I, I gotta be honest. I never enjoyed it in PVZ as much um, because it, like you're saying, you know, it's a, a quick game and stuff like that. But like, I like the in PVP more because you can actually just kill them with the cannons, right? Like, if you cannon rush in PVZ. You're probably going to get yourself into a decent spot if they react badly, but they're not going to get out of the game. You know, they're going to try something. True, true. Um, whereas in PvP, you know, you can literally just have cannons warping in by their main base and they're dead. You know. Um, whereas in PvZ, you know, you're just able to attack the the natural. Um, so I didn't do it as often in that matchup. I think I saw in a tournament last year that Rocker uh, in Control's oh, yeah. brother had a series with creator in some tournament where he back to back did the cannon rushing behind creators mineral line and creators, you know, he's used to like just macro games. So he, I imagine he doesn't play a lot of like cannon rush opponents on Korean ladder or like in custom games, you know? So yeah, like what I'd heard, um, cause I do watch a lot of cannon rush streams. Um, Prince F in particular says that the Koreans are bad at cannon rushing. <laughs> <laughs> um basically only passing was good at it he said so i think a lot of them do get caught off guard by that um you know there's been even bigger upsets than that really um for example zest played a 5.5k north american protoss called uh, probe scout samuel and lost to him uh by getting cannon rushed um so i think that you know kind of indicates that the the koreans especially in pvp may not be as used to cannon rushing um but yeah like uh rocker is i i thought you were going to go a different way when you were talking about rocker actually because he's got a different build um i really really like where in pvz he goes nexus first then makes a forge and then cannon rushes them <laughs> now if they treat that like a normal cannon rush and you know cancel the hatchery and stuff like that they don't realize you've got nexus first and they're like oh 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 no so I, I really like that build from Rocker. Um, I do kind of like bringing that out sometimes as well. But Rocker is so annoying to play against as well. Um, because I, I've played him quite a bit. And what he tends to do quite a lot is he'll cannon rush you one game. And then in the next game, he'll fake cannon rush. And you don't know which one he's going to do. And he's a very, very good cannon rusher. So if he fakes it, you've still got to really respect it. Yeah, you can't, underst um, you can't underestimate it. Yeah, but he's also a really solid macro player, so you can't, like, you know, overestimate it. You can't just think, oh, well, as long as I don't die to his cannons, I'll win. You know? Um, so he's very, very difficult to play against. Um, so I'm glad I don't run into him too much, but, yeah, he's uh, he has crushed me basically every time we've played. I think I've looked one win off him in my life. This is quintessential mind game here, and this is... Uh how people excel in tournaments aside from you yeah. know raw skill and, and mechanics and you know things like that reading your opponent so many different things yeah yeah 
it's quite funny actually um i did see rocker play somebody once um and he fake cannon rushed the guy and the guy just ignored it and rocker's like how did you know and he's like well because every single game you do the same thing you cannon rush then you fake cannon you like you do it in that order the order he's like oh Oh, okay. <laughs> so I wish the guy hadn't told him that because now he, he seemed to mix it up a little bit more. But like, I remember that like three or four years ago, seeing like a game on YouTube like that, or I think it might have been on someone's stream. Um, but yeah, like, he's uh, he's just really annoying to play against because he's, he's really good. It would be really funny if this podcast became like, you know, where people start doing particular types of builds that are discussed on the podcast. Kind of like, I feel like how we see on some of the really popular se2 youtubers like uthermal or harstum or loco whoever i've even seen at the lower leagues they on a particular month or something if a video comes out and it's like you know sky terran the gm i think uthermal has something like that you start to see yeah, more yeah. we start to see more of that and i think if some of the builds you're talking about you know it would be funny if somebody listens to this podcast and it, it starts to catch on to the meta yeah yeah it's actually quite funny you say that because um, that's something that I think about a lot. Um, I, I know you were saying like Sky Terran and stuff, um, which isn't really like a, a super serious build. But one thing that does definitely have an impact on the ladder is when a pro gamer releases a guide, like a proper build order guide. So I tend to keep an eye on um, like Euthermal and Hero Marine and Lambo's channels to see if they post a guide. You know, because if Lambo makes, say, a 12 pool guide, you're going to play a lot of 12 pools on the ladder um, because, you know, everyone's going to be watching the guide and learning from it. And I, thus, I always recommend people do that. You know, I, I recommend that they look at, you know, the, the content creators of other races and see what guides they're putting out because that is a very strong indicator of what you're going to play against. Um, you know, and I see it all the time, you know, when a guide comes out, either the build order or certain things in the guide will just start popping up on ladder all the time. So I think that's a really good way to kind of uh, get ahead of the matter a little bit. It's just to, you know, kind of spy on the, the enemy. Spy on the enemy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. yeah, the main thing is those content creators have such high view, live view counts and, and you know, YouTube view counts. Hero Marine, I think it's typically well over a thousand viewers at a given time, I imagine. Harstom or some of those other ones are similar where there's just so many eyes on the content and it's uh, so much more opportunity for people to admire that want to replicate it themselves think you know i oh i can do this and, and get promoted and they're just uh adding to the meta of their particular league <laughs> yeah exactly yeah but yeah it's it's a good way to know what's coming as well um you know just uh keeping yourself up to date on that i think Awesome. All right, so let's. Um, not going to go over probably every question of player here, but let's get to the bottom of the player section. We had a couple of questions from. <clears throat> I think you had mentioned it to me on on Twitter and Alexius as well too. So, um, well, I guess the three things here: two hour long PVZ games. I feel like we've already discussed that, but let's talk yeah. about the Chelch maneuver. Go ahead. Okay. So um, that's an interesting one, really. It was um, it's about eighty percent a meme, uh, maybe a little bit more, like maybe ninety percent a meme, and like ten percent a real strategy. Um, the idea behind it basically is that in Protoss versus Protoss, one of the biggest threats that the enemy can do to you is make two adepts and shade them into your base. 
and two adepts can one-shot probes. And obviously, if you're playing like a mirror build, two adepts getting in, killing, say, four or five workers, you probably lose the game. And when adepts were first introduced, that was pretty much what was happening in PvP. Everyone was just shading adepts in and killing each other's workers. So people pretty quickly figured out that if you make your two gateways at the top of the ramp um, with a little gap, then when the shades come in, you can make a pylon and block the adepts out and then cancel it later on. So I was just sitting there in bed one night, you know, trying to sleep, and then my brain's like, hey, you should get up and test this idea. What if you hallucinate a Colossus, walk it up into their base using the cliff walk, and hold position it where they want to make a pylon, and then shade in? Because I was thinking, like, that Colossus would definitely block the pylon, right? So I was like, yeah, no, I need to get on bed and test this now. So I did, and, you know, I tested it in the, um, in the unit tester, and I was like, oh, this actually works. So I went and did it a little bit on ladder and uh, got a good screenshot, posted it in uh, All Things Protoss and posted it on Twitter. And everyone loved it for some for some reason. I think it's just because it, like, even though it's not, like, a really good strategy, um, it was a new strategy, like a something that no one had thought of before, which is why everyone was kind of, you know, thinking it was so cool. Um, but then it, it got a little bit more... Like the meme peaked a little bit more after that. So there's a, a very strong player from Ireland called Iger. Um, he's, I think he's about 5.5 to 5.7, somewhere in that MMR range. Um, a lot better than me. He's, I've literally never taken a map off the guy. But he played against Mana, um, who is about as, like, he's about as high, as further ahead than Iger, as Iger is to me. So, like, Mana is a lot better than him. And I could actually beat Mana by doing this. Uh, Mana wasn't very happy about it. Like, he, he called it a stupid tactic and stuff like that. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, that happened. And he got about, like, plus 60 from it or something like that. Um, so, that was obviously, you know, like, the funniest thing in the world. But then it peaked even more. Right, because uh, in an ESL Open, Haas was playing against Creator, and Haas tried to do it against Creator. And at that point, I just thought, that is the peak of my StarCraft career. A pro gamer that doesn't even speak English <laughs> has somehow found one of my strategies and used it in a professional match. Like, that, you can't top that. Like, I, I feel like for any, you know, casual players like me and you, like, that is the best possible thing that could ever happen, right? Um, yeah. So, like, I feel like that that was the the meme kind of peaking. Um, but yeah, for some reason, like, people just loved it, and like, loads of people know it. And I don't, you know, it's not just people that I know now as well. You know, like people will. I've seen people talking about it, and I'm like, I don't even know who this is. You know, so it, it was quite weird. You know, most of the the people that know who I am, I know who they are. So it was a bit of a weird time for me. Um, you know, people, you know, saying my name and stuff when I had no clue who they are. Um, it definitely died down a bit because it is a meme tactic, you know? Like, once you've seen it once, you see that Colossus, you know that you just need to make the pylon before it gets to the spot. Uh, so it is very easily defeatable. But, you know, it was a fun, like, two or three weeks. I can only imagine being you and... and it reaching the pinnacle of has doing it to creator i would be 
I would be running around and start, I'd be j- jumping up and down. And I would be screaming if I saw that live. Um, yeah, I didn't see it live, but I woke up one day and there was like 20 pings on my Discord. And I'm like, oh God, what's just happened? But yeah, it was, it was great. What an accomplishment for you to think of a, it's, you know, it's not a build order. It, it's not, it's a strategy really is what it is. And, and to create a unique strategy and as the game progresses, it's harder to come up with unique strategies because everybody's tried a lot of different things. And so for the game to be over 10 years old and I, this, you did this 2021. So yeah, the game is about 10 years old. It's, it's very matured at this point. And for you to create something new and people to, for it to kind of build up and all the way to the pro level, like you said, someone that doesn't even speak English is not their primary language and they're, they're doing it in a big tournament. That's for their, their this is their career. They're, they're making money off of this. Um, is, is remarkable. Yeah. Like I think I can't really ask for more from, uh, from Starcraft at this point. Like, I think that's the, the best thing I'm ever going to do. You know, you never know, um, like never say never, you might come up with yeah. another, another thing here and you know, like we could see it in GSL. So yeah, you never know. Um, I haven't had any big ideas yet, but, uh, if I come up with one, I'll, uh, I'll definitely get it straight on Twister before anyone steals it. Whatever happened that night, you couldn't sleep. You got to think, how can I replicate that thought process of, of imagination and just load up the unit tester and play it out. Yeah, that's it really. <laughs> All right. So that's the Chelch maneuver. I think I'll definitely include that in the show notes. Um, just so the folks that are listening in the future can check out that link and get kind of get a visual of what we're talking about here. Uh, the next thing, or the last thing for the player section, uh, F2 prison. I do not know what this is, so I'm going in blind here. Okay. Let's let's talk about this. Yeah, so this is uh, like people tried to kind of make it like the Chelch maneuver, but it's far more of a meme tactic. Like you will never see this on the pro level. Um, this is specifically designed for bad players. So the idea is, you know, imagine if you're playing uh, particularly PvZ, right? And obviously the Zerg's attacking, you know, all over the map and stuff like that, and splitting your armies quite hard. And, you know, you may hit the F2 button a little bit from time to time, you know, just by accident here and there. But you really want to leave Templars at your bases to defend. So the idea that I had was, what if you just, like, build your cannons in a way that there's, like, a tiny little gap in between the cannons, and you just warp a Templar in there so that it can't escape? Then you can F2 as much as you want, and you've got a Templar defending your base. Wow. That's pretty much it, really. (laughs) You'll never see it on the pro level, obviously, but, you know, I could definitely see some players around my level uh, making use of that. I think that one was definitely way more of a meme than anything else. Um... But yeah, like, you know, that, that was another one that people kind of tried to push as like a, a, a tactic. Um, but yeah, like, I don't think that one's going to be one that we'll see in GSL. Do you have a screenshot or something? I'm trying to visualize what you're talking about here. So you have like two or three cannons with a small gap enough to warp in a high Templar that completes the wall. Yeah. But the, but let's say the Zerg units are inside the base, then you could storm them where they're just um... contained in like a prison. No, no. So let me let me find it for you. Just one second. Sure. Oh, we've got, got an exact screenshot on Discord of it. 
Okay, so I just sent you a screenshot of exactly what I mean. So you're basically trapping a high Templar in between some static defense so that it can't escape. Oh, it can't. So it can't, back, can't be touched. Okay. <laughs> not, not, not that it can't be touched, right? If I hit the F2 button, that Templar is staying where it is, right? Oh, okay, okay. I understand now. Yeah. So that's why it's called the F2 prison. Okay. Oh, I think I'm actually showing it on the stream here because I clicked on the, the picture in yeah. the Discord. So the, the stream can see this now as well, too. Yeah, that was the, the idea of it anyway. It's obviously a much lower level tactic. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I, I definitely use it a fair bit. It seems like a good late game meme. Flap yeah, definitely, yeah. Flapjack in the chat is also a fellow Protoss player. Walling in a high Templar so you don't have to F2 it away from your main base or from your base. I like this phrase, so you can soften up the bugs. <laughs> Yeah, that's it really. Because in the late game, like one of the the most ridiculous units is uh, cracklings. Like it's insane how much how well they can trade against almost everything. Like storm is one of the few things that really reliably shuts those down. I think. Oh yeah, adrenal gland for sure, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's the the F two prison in a nutshell. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, so that concludes the player. Uh, topic there let's let's move on to streamer um so when did you start streaming on twitch um do you know i don't actually fully remember like my first streams to be honest um but it was very very early because i had my account before twitch was even like invented so i had justin.tv slash chelch um so it was definitely like 2011, somewhere around then, but I, uh, it was a long time ago and I don't really remember it too well. Um, but I know I did use to stream very, very actively back in Wings of Liberty, um, but I didn't really do any kind of like marketing of it at all. So like, for example, if I go live now, I post my stream in my Discord, I post it in a few other places and things like that. I'd literally just click go live and just start laddering. Um, you know, I didn't post it anywhere. No one knew who I was. You know, I might get five viewers here if I was lucky. Um, but I didn't really get too many views. Um, so as for YouTube, uh, I don't really stream on YouTube at all. Um, I have uploaded a few things to YouTube in the past. Um, mostly a couple of build order guides just for like either builds that I'd found that I like um, or ideas that I'd had for things. Um, but they're very, very basic. Um, because in my opinion, if you're like a, a lower level player like me, um, you can't always reliably create like a macro build order. There's going to be like holes in it. I think it's very, very easy for somebody at my level to come up with like an all-in or something like that. So I came up with some of those and I've uploaded a couple of videos to YouTube. But yeah, Twitch streaming... It must have been about 2011. I I don't really remember it too well, though, to be honest. Yeah, certainly a long time ago. If you had the account since Justin.tv, like the OG days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, and then uh, so I haven't I haven't seen your stream. So what kind of streams do you enjoy broadcasting? Is it more of like try hard ladder where you're just you might do a little bit of commentary to yourself, or do you like a kind of a interacting with the chat if you can? Uh, so I actually try and make it both. Um, so I'm always doing like a hundred percent try hard. Um, 
With that being said, the way I've got my stream set up, even though I've got two monitors, uh, what I have is um, an overlay for my Twitch chat. So it appears in the top left corner of my game. Like, it appears over my game. So I can, like, the logic is that I can be as try hard as I want, and I don't have to look away to actually answer the Twitch chat. Wow. Uh, so I will just sit there talking nonstop while I'm, you know, try hard and as much as I can. Um, so that's kind of my my approach to streaming, really, is to try and make it as interactive as I can whilst trying to play as well as I can. I'm unaware of this, like, plug-in or, like, source, however you're doing it. I would like... Yeah. What exactly is that? Because I think that would encourage me to stream StarCraft 2 more because I, I try to stream... When I do stream StarCraft 2, I, I want to be as try-hard as possible, but using my second monitor and looking over at chat certainly distracts you from doing that. Um, to be honest, I literally just Googled Twitch chat overlay. Uh, that's how I found it. I think it's called transparent Twitch chat overlay. Okay. You can just get it off uh, GitHub. Awesome. Um, yeah, that's, I've always used that really. Even when I got a second monitor, I, you know, I still use that cause I think it's a lot easier than, than looking away. Um, but the only real drawback to that is if you get more popular, um, so for me, I'm very comfortable dealing with, you know, maybe at most 20 people in the chat. Um, but I've had raids off like the Muslim and Nina and, you know, other people like that. And when you suddenly get like a few hundred people dumped in there and, you know, <laughs> your game is like half of your game is literally just filled with people's messages. It becomes hard to follow. So th there is a drawback to it in that respect. Like I don't think that if you're a big streamer, you'd be able to use that method. But sure. if you've got, you know, a decent little community, I think you can very easily play, like, very try-hard and commentate, like, the entire time. Wow. I think you're really... This... Yeah, this this plugin or whatever, it might, uh, you know, make me want to play StarCraft 2 on stream more. Because that was one of my problems, really, was, like, I felt like when I played off-stream, I performed better because I wasn't having to, like, turn my head, look at my other monitor for chat, so... Yeah, and that, that's what this yeah. podcast is all about is like the small time streamers. And so thanks for this kind of a tip or insight for folks like me that didn't know about this. Yeah, I actually find it. I don't, I don't know if it helps or not, but I don't think it, um, I don't think it makes me any worse because I, I do think that there's something to something to be said for just kind of talking aloud and explaining what you're doing. Um, you know, some people find that beneficial, I think. Um, you know, even if you're focusing, like it, it doesn't have to like draw away from your, your focus. If you just kind of, you know, just kind of spewing words out, whatever's just at the, the tip of your brain. Um, sometimes it doesn't always make sense, but yeah, you know, I, I find it, it can, it can almost help really, uh, in a way, if you're kind of commentating as you go, as long as you're not thinking too hard about what to say. Yeah. Oh, who's the, it's that Australian Protoss that, that does it so Sorry. well. Yeah, Sephiron. Oh my Sephiron, gosh. Yeah. 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 Uh, he oh, does. Sephiron's great. Yeah. He's a high he level. He sounds like a commentator, isn't he? He is. Like, he, yeah. He's, he's like a professional commentator, like high level Protoss player. But like, literally, like every micro play, he's like, he moved his units here, and I'm like, how do you play at this caliber and have this quality of commentary at the same time? It's and interacting yeah. with the and real time interacting with the chat. It's like. He's fully yeah. utilizing every part of his brain. <laughs> he he actually sounds like a, a professional commentator while also like you know playing at a GM level at the same time, which is you know quite impressive. Yeah, definitely.
Okay, a couple more questions for the streamer section uh, to wrap this section up here. Uh, what's your kind of affiliate or partner status with Twitch? Uh, so I'm an affiliate. Uh, partner is very hard to guess. Um, I forget what the exact requirements is, but I think you need like AC viewers average or something like that. Like it's really hard. Right. And you need to do it over like a month or something. Um, but like I got affiliate practically instantly actually because Nina raided me and that raid literally just immediately met the requirements <laughs> for affiliate. So Nina literally just gave me affiliate on Switch basically. Um, so yeah, I've even had like a couple of little payouts from Twitch over the years, which is, you know, quite nice really for something that I've not spent any money on. I, you know, I don't have any professional equipment or anything like that. Uh, it, it is literally just a hobby for me, really. Right. Yeah. It's, it's fun. And to have a, have a little payout from Twitch, it's, it's, it's awesome. And so yeah, shout out to Nina for like getting you instantly, uh, affiliate there. <laughs> Yeah, I think she literally just sometimes looks for people that, you know, don't have as many viewers um, and, you know, just tries to help them out, basically, which is quite cool. Yeah, that's great. I think she went to Korea or did she, well, she went somewhere recently. I think she went to Korea. I think I saw maybe on Instagram mm -hmm. or some kind of social platform. Um, I think she was saying something about like North Dakota, maybe. I don't know. Uh, maybe I missed that. Yeah. But I know she was somewhere, but. I didn't hear about uh, Korea. That'd be cool if she did, uh, you know, try for GSL or something like that. Right. I feel like that's what we're missing from GSL compared. If you compare GSL today compared to ten years ago, how many more foreigners were trying out for GSL back then versus now? You know. Do you know? I think it's actually somewhat similar, to be honest. Um, I mean, obviously, there's. Um, a few that are missing these days but like over the last few years there's been quite a few that have attempted it like rainer special people like that mm -hmm. um and even back in the day there really wasn't that many when you think about it you know you had um idra and jinro in the the very early days mm -hmm. who were the only ones that really had any success um i think huck even there too. Were a few others that tried oh yeah huck as well yeah yeah um but most of the others didn't really get very far you know even the the very good players um i feel like they mostly got unlucky um but yeah they they really didn't get very far like only naniwa i think really you know kind of got quite far in it as well uh but even like top tier players like thorzane really didn't get too far um right. in the, the gsl yeah and there is a few kind of in between uh like Desiro comes to mind being in the, the team house um i don't think i don't yeah. know if he even qualified necessarily but i mean I, he's a, i'm just talking about foreigners right yeah. um I'm, I'm the only thing i remember about Desiro from that team house is him beating last shadow up on stream <laughs> i was not aware of this yeah, yeah. The, the stream, I, can't, I can't remember it. the stream suddenly turned the stream suddenly turned r-rated for some uh, past yeah. foreigner memories here we got a last shadow called him fast or something and he just oh boy. punched him across the room. <laughs> oh my okay. Oh we got a um side note here, we got a raid from Chicken Man. Thank you, sir, for the raid of thirty eight people. Um just a kind of quick explanation here. On PCH, this is the Grassroots StarCraft two podcast. We've got episode nine here with Chelch. He's a Masters One Protoss player from the UK. Uh also a streamer as well. So we've discussed him as a player we talked about the patch 
We're now wrapping up the streamer section about him as a streamer. So welcome Raiders. And uh, yeah, this is all about StarCraft here. Um, so the next area, we'll talk about you as a fan. Um, sure. You kind of br previously briefly discussed, you went try hard for WCS qualifiers and end of 2011. Uh, you've done some other online tournaments. One of them that, that Psystorm took over. Um, so the first question here is, who are your favorite um, pro players currently? So currently, so these days, I actually wouldn't say that I really have any favorite pro players. Um, these days, unless I've got like a personal connection to someone, I'm not that invested in whether they win or not. So these days, if I watch any pro games, it is purely like a, a learning perspective, you know? Like I want to go and see what builds did they do? How did they do it? Um, I'm mostly interested in getting the replays rather than watching casts. Um, so that's most of my, my kind of viewing of StarCraft. Um, so I don't really have any favorites these days. If I had to pick one, though, who plays in like um, high-level tournaments, it would be uh, a player from the UK called Zane. Uh, he's not super well-known, but he is around about 6k MMR. Um, the reason why I like Zane is because he's given me so much help, you know, over the years. Uh, that he always answers whatever, you know, stupid questions I've got about the game. So whenever he plays, you know, I, I always kind of root for Zane and I want Zane to win. Um, so that, that would probably be the main one. Uh, either Zane or another player from the UK as well called Teeble. Um, but those two guys I, I really root for. And Razorblader as well. Um, <clears throat> Just any kind of UK players that I really know quite well. Those are the ones that I, I tend to root for. Um, other than that, like, my, I only have two favorite players, um, but they're not active anymore. So it would be, obviously, the, the guy that I mentioned earlier, that, you know, kind of the first pro match that I really saw, which was uh, San. San, yep. And then uh, the other one is MC. Uh, who everybody loves because he is an absolute giga chad. Um, like that, I remember him coming back. Uh, I think three or so years ago and just qualifying randomly for a GSL. Just shows up randomly, beats stats, refuses to elaborate, leaves. Just absolute chad move. <laughs> it was just amazing. I missed that. Um, I, I was out of the scene. I think I imagine when that happens, so I have to catch up on that. Um, yeah, that, everyone was shocked about that because you know he hadn't been you know relevant for quite a few years, and he just shows up and just two was one of the best Protoss players in the world. Uh, he didn't really like get too far in the the tournament. I think he got knocked out of the, the group itself, but just to show up randomly and beat stats, like you know that's some uh, yeah that that was a chat move. Um, so yeah, I, I always have a lot of love for MC, um, just from his personality as well. You know, he's uh, always somebody that's very, very fun to watch. Um, so yeah, it, it would be those two players, kind of historically, and then anybody like from the UK that I've got like a, a personal connection with. That's awesome. You have a personal connection with folks that are six K that are they're really swinging at the pro players. I imagine on ladder, and for you to have somebody that can help you improve in the game or just talk about the game it's it's yeah and it's local pride you know that's i really like that as as far as this podcast goes being grass grassroots so and i, I recall my first event i ever went to was mlg orlando 
in the, in oh, 20, wow. the 2011. So the finals for that, I believe, was uh, MC versus Huck. Oh, yeah, I remember, I think. Yeah. and uh, I remember staying up all night to watch those MLGs. Um, MC is, he's a character, and that's part of his thing, right? Like the thumbs down yeah. on stage and uh, the antics, um, you know, when Smix might interview or something like that. So it's, it's a fun time. Yeah, yeah, MC always made it a lot more entertaining. You know, and he, he wasn't, like, kind of toxic about it or anything, but he, just, uh, I don't know, just the way he did it just made everybody laugh, and it was always really kind of exciting to watch him play. Like, his play style as well was very exciting, you know, especially, like, the way he, uh, you know, used force fields and things like that. You know, I remember a, a GSL finals against uh, Jalizerg, where he was literally just, like, making donuts out of the guy's army and stuff <laughs> like that. Like it just the guy looked completely helpless against him. Like yeah, uh, after watching that, like I became a big fan of MC. It was actually the same season um, that I'd seen those games of uh, Sam as well. So it was a similar time that I became fans of both players. You're making me want to watch some old GSL on YouTube, or maybe even that guy that streams all the old tournaments on Twitch, like twenty four seven. I forgot the account name, but. Oh yeah, SC2 VOD archive or something like that. Right. I can't yeah. remember. But yeah, I know the one you mean. Like, it's just constantly streaming like Pro League and stuff like that. It's like the cable channel of old games on on Twitch. <laughs> just always yeah. running. It's great for nostalgia. Awesome. So let's talk about um we're talking about some pro players here or even like local players you support. Um let's talk about which pro tournaments like are your favorite it sounds like gsl we've talked about that a lot would you would you have more would you say wcs was your more favorite because you had a an attempt at qualifying there or do you still like gsl more um so again like with um tournaments it's kind of similar to like the pro players where i was saying that you know i mostly look at stuff for like a learning perspective now so the tournament itself isn't really too important for me um but if i had to i mean to be honest like, i like um you know most of the tournaments really gsl obviously is always going to be up there it's not going to be the same without artosis um so i don't know how i feel about it anymore but gsl always one of my favorites just because of tastosis you know tastosis nostalgia factor you, you can't beat that um and then other than that it's the classic answer of uh, home story cup you know, it's um, it's just, you know, the, the way that the players all kind of get together and have fun and stuff like that, and just the antics they get up to on stream. Uh, so the, those two are probably been my favorites, I would say. Have you been to a Home Story Cup? Uh, no. I'm hoping to go to one this year, ideally. Um, I kind of feel like, you know, it's now or never, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean... Well, there might be Stormgate Home Story Cups, but we don't know. Yeah, that could be different. Um, but yeah, historically, Home Story Cup, you know, has the couch casting crew. Uh, we saw the unique trophy last year. Um, what was it, like the coconut? They were like, who can crack open a, a coconut or something like that most recently? A lot of unique, like, homey kind of feeling antics, but still with like the professional production level. So I hope you can go to a home story cup. I would I would be really jealous if you could make it out there. But also happy for you if you could make it out to that. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely gonna try and get to one this year. Like that's one of my one of my goals at least. Okay. Um how many how many live events have you been to, if you could count? Uh that is a good question. So when you say live events, um there's only one like event that I've been to, which is in the UK called Epiclan. Um, so I haven't been to like any MLGs or any home story cups or any IEMs or anything like that. Uh, but the UK has a, a tournament every four months called Epiclan. Uh, we don't have loads of people there. It's usually sort of 20 to 30 players. Um, but it's a lot of fun. You know, we all know each other. We've all been going for quite a few years now. Um, so I'm trying to think how many I've been to. Uh, I want to say probably about six or seven. Um, maybe more. Because um, it is every four months. But yeah, that's the only one that I really go to. Um, and I like that one in particular because, you know, I get to actually, you know, partake in it, basically. It's not like Home Story Cup where, you know, you just go to watch. Okay. So that would probably be the biggest one for me, um, is, you know, Epic Clan. Epic Clan. I think another throughout this podcast, I was trying to think of obviously, you know, the Muslim comes to mind as like a top UK player. I know, and yeah. I, th- I don't know if he still streams or he used to stream gamer. Richie, is he still active oh. in the scene? Uh, yeah. So he was actually at the last Epic clan. Uh, so gamer Richie isn't as active as he used to be. Um, but the guy's kind of busy getting on with his life now, you know, being a grown up, he's uh, gotten married. He's had a kid, mm-hmm. things like that. So he doesn't have as much time to play. Uh, he is still very good, obviously, he's still Grandmaster level. Um, but he was at the, the last Epic Clan that I went to, so I did. Uh, I last saw him a couple of months ago. Um, he didn't actually play, though, he did just do the commentary. Um, but yeah, you know, he's, he's still around. Like, he still plays. Um, obviously, not as much as he used to because he's got, you know, a lot of responsibilities and things like that in life now. My brief memory of like. When I used to, I, I kind of probably briefly watched the stream. Was he was just a generally happy kind of player, happy kind of person, like really good, good memory of 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 this player. Yeah, I feel like Richie is one of those people that I feel like whatever race he played, like you know whether he picked Terran or Zerg or Protoss, he'd probably end up around about the same level. Like he he's just got like a really good mindset for the game, and he knows what it takes to be good at the game. Um, you know, he, he just really kind of understands the the pure fundamentals of the game on like a really really good level. Um, so, like for example, I've you know gone to him to ask him you know questions about the game before as well, um, because you know I feel like he can give very very good general advice, um, which is mostly what I need really. You know, I don't need to know some really really specific strategy or anything like that i'm still bad mechanically you know i need broad advice in that respect a lot of the time and i think richie can give like a lot of good advice in that area and he has helped me out a lot in the past as well i'm a bit jealous of this of the uk scene it sounds like it's still thriving i mean having tournaments every four months um i imagine there's a lot of areas in north america even throughout the world that don't even have tournaments anymore so to have a local tournament every four four months sounds you know keeping the scene alive in a good way yeah yeah i mean you say local it is about a 200 mile trip for me but it's it's always worth it yeah that that's that's worth it yeah (laughs) 
Chicken Man saying, you could say it sounds epic. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is very epic. All right, so that wraps up. We've got the uh, up a tree emote there too. Uh, wrap up, that's wraps up the fan section. Uh, let's go to uh, the topic here. We've never had for the podcast before, and I don't know why it took me so long to have on the podcast, but Stormgate. Uh, admittedly, I'm not up to date on like the latest Stormgate news. I had seen some of the concept videos last year. Um, so if you have, you probably have a better understanding of it if you've been keeping up to date with it. What what, what are your opinions on, Storm, on Stormgate? Yeah, so the funny thing is I actually don't really have many better opinions. The thing is with Stormgate, um, everything that we've had so far for the most part is very, very big picture stuff, you know, kind of game design philosophy and things like that and you know very broadly what they want the game to be what they think the game should be like we haven't really got to the meat of it as this is the game and this is what it looks like and this is what the gameplay is you know we still are missing that so it's very very hard to give like a, a direct opinion on it um obviously they have made some posts on the stormgate subreddit about you know ways that they might like to take the game um one of the ones that really concern me is that they did say they were going to look into hero units and that is not my jam so if it ended up being kind of closer to warcraft 3 with hero units i mean i'll try it but in all likelihood i'm not gonna play it seriously so i hope that's not the way they go but it could end up being that way Right. If it does go hero unit, it's it's certainly a different type of game. It wouldn't be a direct com uh, comparison to like a StarCraft, StarCraft Two, or uh, some other derivative of a, a strategy game. You know, Age of Empires, um, Immortal, Gates of Pyre. Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, I hope it's not like that because that's just not the kind of game I enjoy. I can remember trying to play Warcraft Three and. I was like, I don't like hero units, so I'm just going to play this game without making hero units. Uh, and then I was like, why do I never win any games? <laughs> and then I realized you kind of had to make heroes. And then I found out what StarCraft is. I was like, oh, this is the, this is the game. This is the game I won. <laughs> so I went to play StarCraft instead. So that's why I played StarCraft, because of the lack of hero units specifically. Mm -hmm. So if Stormgate did end up having that, I, I'd be yeah apprehensive about it. Chicken Man saying in the chat, from what I understand, hero units are unlikely for 1v1, but nothing is set in stone. So I guess okay. it's, it's hard to have a conversation about Stormgate, a serious conversation about it, when a lot of it is, you know, concept and, and theories. And I imagine if the 2023, uh, what they've announced 2023, there's going to be some type of closed or maybe some type of, it's not going to be an open beta, right? Invite only type of right. beta. Hopefully prior to that, we'll see similar uh introductory unit videos that we saw with starcraft 2 um so it seems like there's still more to come for the stormgate side of things i had i had some, like maybe one more question for you about stormgate like do you think it'll surpass starcraft 2 but i think even that is hard to answer with what information we yeah. have today i think it's gonna be interesting um i think the team behind it know what they're doing that's the thing right like they know what it takes to make an rts game you know they know what needs to go into it and i think they also know what went wrong with starcraft 2 as well 
because StarCraft 2, in my opinion, um, they focused too much on the esports side of it. Uh, you know, StarCraft 2 was very much designed to be like an esports, and they really neglected the casual side of the game. You know, uh, it took them a long time to fix that mistake as well. So you ended up with a game where, you know, you had to pay like, you know, like, you know, 40, 50 odd dollars just to um, get a game and then have to spend weeks studying it so that you didn't get your head absolutely kicked in every time you tried to find a match, <laughs> um, which is not really very casual friendly. But it's very, very important, I think, for a game like that to be both casual friendly and well designed competitively. And that's where StarCraft II dropped the ball initially. Uh, you know, it took them a long time to get things like the arcade working well, um, you know, to have better social features in the game, and also, like, the co-op mode co as well was a really, really big one. Um, but then the other big, big thing was free-to-play. So what I wonder is how big would StarCraft II have been if they had gotten it right from the beginning, you know? Um, because... Like, imagine if it was free to play with its arcade, its co-op, all yep. the social features. Yep. You imagine how big it was. It was huge. Imagine if they'd done all that at the time. Like, what could have been, you know? And that's the reason that I'm excited for Stormgate, because I do think that the guys making it understand that. Um, so I am excited to see what they can do with it. Whether it'll surpass StarCraft, you know, it's, it's difficult to say at this point, but I think if they nail it, like... Because I feel like they understand what needs to be done. So if they can nail it, then yeah, it will decimate the StarCraft II community. You know, most of the pro players will move over. Most of the tournament organizers will move over. The teams, everything. So yeah, like I could see it having a similar effect on StarCraft II as StarCraft II had on other games. So like when StarCraft II first got released, it kind of sapped all of the, the pro scenes from other games, like Warcraft 3, you know, it stole Grubby and Moon and players like that. Um, Brood War, it took a little bit of time to, to kind of take the players, but eventually that happened too. And then I think what we'll see is that there will be some people that will play it and realize that it's not their game and go back to StarCraft, um, but the community will be very much diminished. You know, so we won't see like any big tournaments most likely. Like I imagine we'll just see community organized events. Like you might be lucky to win five hundred dollars, something like that, from a StarCraft two tournament. That that's my prediction for, for Stormgate anyway. Um, if they get it right. Which, you know, we really can't say at the moment because we haven't actually seen any concrete details about the game. Them getting it right is, is so huge and it's not a, a one answer type of thing where it's like they have to get 1v1 right. Like, no, not, 1v1 is not everything. And like you said, imagine if StarCraft II back in like 2010, 2011 when it was the eSport and then we saw League come in and League popularity skyrocketed. Dota 2 po popularity skyrocketed as far as like total amount of money, like viewership, things like that. So... It's not something I really thought about. Like if StarCraft 2 initially was free-to-play, I kind of personally complain about free-to-play allowing Smurfs to just wreak havoc on the ladder uh, or stream cheaters or snipers, whatever. But uh, yeah, from an overall popularity perspective, it does seem like 
the Stormgate, the team over at Stormgate has, or Frost Giant rather, has the potential. They have really, the skies, there's there's no limit for them of how this could be successful and sur- surpass or, you know, you know StarCraft 2. I think your prediction's spot on. It We could see some people like the, like Grubby, how he went from Warcraft 3 to StarCraft 2. Did he even go back, I think, to Warcraft 3, something like that? But Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, we could certainly see that, right? Or we could see, yeah. you know, people. Yeah, the, the same thing with like people that were Brood War players go go to StarCraft two temporarily, like Jadong, and then go back to to Brood War, right? <laughs> um, yeah, like I think some people will realize when they play Stormgate, like, yeah, this isn't my game, you know. And the, you will see it. Some people go back. I don't, I don't know how. I don't know what the game is going to be, so it's hard to say how many. But I think there will be, you know, at least some people that do go back. Um, there won't be much to go back to, hopefully, um, if they get it right. Um, but yeah, I can see that happening with some people. I think that those people will mostly be reliant on streaming, though, to make their income. Uh, there won't be much of like a, a tournament scene for them to, to kind of make money from. Another potential is for Frost Giant, there's always the potential for either side, really, to poach employees. You know, I don't know what's the uh, non-disclosure agreement or the, not, I think there's a, in tech, there's also like a non-solicitation agreement, things like that. Um, but yeah. certainly Frost Giant to poach like a Blizzard employee that's had been working on StarCraft or even Blizzard to be doing that, you know, um, I, I, I couldn't see that happening yeah. as much. I could see it more so in the direction yeah. of like Frost Giant poaching some Blizzard employees that have that specific, yeah. that have that specific knowledge. Um, maybe they will uh, take the blizzard intern away from us um i don't know because like it feels like there's not too many people working on uh, starcraft 2 at the moment uh, at blizzard <laughs> so i don't really feel like there's anybody that they could poach yeah um and as for the other way around i don't really think blizzard's that interested in working on starcraft 2 that much anymore i'd agree so i don't think they're going to be poaching anyone from frost giant to be honest nor do I think anyone from Frost Giant would go, you know, because they've all left Blizzard for this company. I, I don't see them going back. Right. What you just said, and it's like Alexia said in the chat, Frost Giant already poached a lot of the Blizzard RTS employees. So, yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe Frost Giant tries to grab the uh, the infam- infamous intern that everybody jokes around that makes the typos in the patch notes. Uh, so. Yeah, it'd be funny if there's the the meme intern for Frost Giant there, but okay. Yeah. So that's a little bit on Stormgate. I'm glad we could include that in the podcast. Uh, now we're approaching the end of the podcast here. Um, before we do the outro, we're actually gonna fulfill the uh, the Q and A. So if you've you're rating, if you've rated from uh, Chicken Man stream, feel free to type in the chat your question specifically for Chelch. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to scroll up in the chat now and I'm going to go every, every question, even if it's a meme, we're going to, I'm going to ask it to you, uh, and feel free to answer however you please. And yeah, let's get going with the questions here. So, all right, scrolling up to the very top, uh, Kelzor is, sorry if I'm saying your name wrong, your name wrong. Chelch, are you wearing a bathrobe? I am not. This is a, a very nice shirt. I don't really know how this looks like a bathrobe to anybody. Um, that's a bit of a Kelzor's moment right there. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, I, did, I didn't see it as a bathrobe. I did, I did see it as like yeah. a button-up dress shirt. So very professional yeah. for the podcast. I appreciate it. I'm just in like my Carbot Zerg shirt. So uh, you're actually well, much more better dressed than I am. Um, yeah, I don't know what he saw there. Maybe even read some of the comments here that I didn't, we didn't address yet. But Alexia said, "Love the shaved look for Chelch." So do you, I guess you normally have a beard or? uh i'd say i'm quite lazy really like i um i haven't really found anything like shaving cream wise that doesn't massively irritate my face so i only tend to do it every few months um yeah i've just gone on to it recently so but yeah i had uh, quite the beard going on even up until about a week ago okay this is my 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 visual impression of you so i, I don't know what you look like with a beard but uh not great <laughs> If you're a Zerg player, you will love Chelch, says Taco Emissary. Yeah, I don't know about that one. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Echo Soldier, ask him, please ask him about the Chelch maneuver so that we already discussed that. That's right, yeah. Uh, question from Echo Soldier. How long did you formulate the Chelch maneuver? Why did you make it? And if any pro could pull it off, this is multiple questions here. If any pro could pull it off in a tournament, who would it be? So uh, I think I already explained, really. I was just in bed and like the idea just popped into my head. Um, and then I had to test it out before I went to sleep. Uh, as for why I made it, like there was no reasoning behind it. It just occurred to me. And to be quite honest, I think Haz, of all people in the world, is the best possible person to, to use that. That seems right up his street in terms of weirdness. <laughs> I do recall ha has having like some, a little bit of like a cheesy style or like kind of cheeky builds. Okay, the next question here is from Pudgy SC2. Uh, welcome, first time chatter. Uh, question: So, who is the best British player who you think could have gone further, but quit slash played less? Ooh. That's a great question. I'm going to go with an odd answer and say there's a player called Ork, um, O-U-R-K. Not super well-known, um, but to be honest, there's a lot of British players that are, are very strong, like, you know, close to, like, 6K that no one's heard of. Um, but Ork in particular is the kind of guy who changes his race, like, every three or four months, and he's just as good with all three races. Um, so I feel like if he had more time and if he was a little bit younger, um, he'd be able to go very, very far. Like, I'm not sure how old he is, but I think, I don't want to say, but I think he's like, you know, mid to late thirties. Um, and he's still very strong, you know, I don't think he, he's super active anymore. Um, but yeah, that, that would be my pick, I guess. Like he's really good with all three races and he knows how to abuse things, you know? Orc. Okay. And they play all three yeah. races, which is, that's tough. I try to do it and I, I, I fumble. <laughs> so he doesn't like play them all the time though. Like he'll just be like, you know, for three months he'll feel like Terran and then Terran will get nerfed and then he'd be like, right, time to go to Prosos. You know, he'll just go for whatever he thinks is OP at the time. It's great. I should adopt that. that. That sounds actually pretty fun. It's a good, good, yeah. good way to focus on the on the race instead of having yeah. nine matchups. You're trying to worry about. <laughs> and plus, you know, if you if you play all three races, you kind of 
you get a feel for what's hard to play against and what's annoying to play against and you know if you if you really struggle with a build uh let's say that terran does to you just play terran and start doing it to people and see how people beat it things like that <laughs> all right we're still pretty far up in the chat here so i'm going to try to rapid fire some of these questions here um sure. Mikkel2611, first time chatter, welcome to the stream. What about. Oh, it's Lanzer. Okay, gotcha. Uh, what about PVT Chelch? Uh, I don't like it. Um, I just don't enjoy it as much as PVZ. Um, I've never really had the, the same kind of success or win rate as PVZ. Um, and then PVP, again, was like my. has always been kind of my second strongest matchup. It's not that I hate PVT that much, other than what I talked about before with the, the kind of uncertainty in the early game. Um, but I'm just better at the other two matchups. Got it. Is probably the short answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we previously spoke about uh, PVT in particular, like the early game. Um, Echo Soldier, ATP, let's fucking go. <laughs> so we got a lot of support from the All Things Protoss uh, subreddit, Discord community another question from lanzer mickle 2611 question will you return to archon drop in pvz huh, no uh that was like my original build order when i first came back to starcraft in like 2018 um like i won't return to that build order because firstly like build orders have advanced significantly so like the Archon drop build order, you were getting a third base at like five minutes. And these days you get one at like kind of 350 with a, a Stargate opener. And then the other issue with Archon drop is that people are just way more used to dealing with it now. You know, they just know to make a few roaches and they don't really take any real damage. So you get a really late expand and you don't really get that much done. It's good for controlling the creep. That's about the only good thing. Okay, so um, a, a, a bit a bit out of the meta, considering that build had a later third, and the primary use case for you said would be controlling the creep. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, next question, first time chatter, welcome, uh, Countess SC. Question: If you could make any balance change to SC two, what would it be? Oh, that is a very good question, actually, because. I think the balance change that I would make would be to revert a change that Blizzard made a while ago, which is where they made the Armory Cloak Widow Mines. Um, I would revert that change um, because I was speaking before that I think Terran has too many options and it's too difficult for Protoss to counter everything that they might do. So that's the change I would make um, because I think that that would not really drastically nerf Terran and it would limit the early game options and make you know it a little bit easier for protoss okay so you'd remove the the cloak ability from the it's the tech lab from the factory right no so it's um when you make an armory uh when the armory completes uh widow mines will be cloaked unless uh like even after they shoot oh it's not an upgrade from the tech lab not anymore. It used to be uh, if you research drilling claws that they would borrow faster and be cloaked. Uh, but now it's just if the armory finishes, they're cloaked. And if you research drilling claws, they borrow faster. I'm I'm learning so much. I'm so out of out of the loop on the game. 
Uh, maybe if I play Terran, I'm going to meme it up a bit and build a fast armory now. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't fast do armory. If you build a fast armory in PvT, I always assume that the person is four foot two in real life. <laughs> um, you, know, you do you. <laughs> Uh, this is a question for me from Kelzor as I responded in the chat, but am I drinking from a mustard bottle? No. One oh, of... Is he talking to you? Yeah, so I have a yellow hydro flask here. Uh, maybe it's a bit obnoxious as a host for a podcast, but it's maybe I can pick a different water bottle for future episodes here. I was so confused because I was like, how does he think that this is like a mustard bottle? Like, what is he talking about? Yeah. <laughs> a question from Cobblestone05. Hey, uh, hey! can you ask Chelch how much the Chinese food cost? Three people's worth? What is this referring to? Yeah, I mean, it, it costs about what three people would spend on Chinese food. That is the only answer I'm prepared to give. Okay. All right. Maybe it was a troll or a meme kind of question there that I don't know I don't know the context to. Um, anyway. Yeah. IRC gang. Uh, I definitely used MIRC back in the day. I'm... I'm like a StarCraft 2 boomer as well, so. Yeah, that was probably one of the main two ways that people communicated back then. It was either IRC or Skype, or Skype. actually people used the in-game chat channels a lot as well. Yep. Um, but there was a lot of Skype groups and stuff like that. Skype, Mumble, what was the other one, Ventrilo? Yeah, Mumble a little bit uh, as well. Actually, I, I do remember um, using Mumble a little bit. This is a troll question here, uh, Acheroni. Can you ask Chelch if he uses the funny accent when by himself or if he always uses it? This is what I sound like. That's my impression. Like it's your your UK accent, and yeah, I don't I don't think you're faking it there. Nope, this is just what I sound like. Oh damn, you're nearly on a hype train. Oh, what is what is going? On? I'm still scrolled up, so I mean. What is, what is the hype train? I'm, I'm, miss, I'm missing things here. Um, oh, damn. We got a... Oh, Ale, oh, shout out. Alexia subbed right as the stream started. There we go. That's uh, your hype train. Oh, wow. I, I don't think I've ever had a hype train. Or if I have, it's been a long time. Thank you, everyone. Uh, Alexius was the first sub. I, I clicked start stream, and I think before I could even give out my first breath, he, he, uh, he subbed. We've got uh, Alexius gifting a sub to Cobblestone. Thank you. Dave Testa for the four months. Thank you, sir. Dave Testa oh. is based. Oh, Chelch, Chel thank you for the tier one. Wow. You're... You were one sub away from a hype <laughs> train, so I had to do it. Thank you so much. And then uh, Chicken Man with the Bezo Bucks, the Prime Gaming. Thank you, everyone, for the support. Yes, and for those of you that have subbed here, you my only emote is me making this like fat face, this like kind of meme face here. I need some more emotes. So, okay, let's go through some more of the questions here. Uh, um, okay, uh, boss toss. Any other question? Okay, uh, question from Dave Testa. What's up, Dave? Uh, question: If Gamer Richie UK switched to Terran, did Hero stand no chance? Um. I don't really understand the question because... Oh, wait, hang on. Oh, no, he's corrected it further down. If he switched to Protoss, did Hero stand no chance? In Atlanta, okay. Gamer Richie's already a Terran player. 
uh yeah like i mean to be honest like richie you know if you've seen him like that man is like a, a truck so i'm pretty sure he could just rip hero in half anyway um but yeah no i, I feel like richie would be just as good regardless of what race he plays um like he just understands the fundamentals of the game and what makes like a grandmaster level player it's not that terran is particularly good for the way he plays he just understands perfectly what makes a fundamentally good rts player so this, this is talking about a, the uh i'm not understanding the context of this with like uh atlanta so atlanta is dreamhack atlanta which is the recent tournament na tournament uh was there that's a the that's the one hero one i think I, I assume that's what that's in reference to okay yeah so hero won the tournament but so i'm not understanding i'm like slow here what what is dave's question exactly um i think it was because i was mentioning before that you know uh, richie is just the kind of player that would be just as good with any race um but i think he's saying that if richie was protoss would he have beat would he be, you know, the kind of player that would be winning like Atlanta and stuff like that? Oh, got it. Okay, got it. <laughs> um, but yeah, Richie is too busy being a normie and having a kid and a job <laughs> and a wife. Uh, so I think he's too busy to be winning StarCraft tournaments. Okay. I think I'm almost catch up, caught up on uh, on chat here. Thank you again, everybody, for the subs and the support. Really appreciate it. I've got a le level two hype train going on right now i feel very i feel the love of the community of the grassroots community so thank you get cobble on the podcast anybody that's in the chat or listening in the future or you see me on discord or in, in game or on BattleNet, whatever um i'm open to an initial discussion and, and see if this could work for you to be on the podcast uh wait <laughs> if you were a hot dog and you were starving would you eat would you eat yourself uh, um, both of you um i guess yeah like it's a bit of like I mean, chicken, was, it's a bit of a chicken and egg question right yeah i mean if you were starving on like a desert island you would chop your leg off and cook it and eat it right like in the interest of not dying so assuming there's if I was a hot dog that would be even better assuming there's no other food source i mean ultimately you're going to starve the the end is you're going to starve regardless. So, I mean, would you want the last taste in your mouth to be yourself? Like, like you're, would you want a hot dog to be your last meal? Or would you, I don't know if I would do that. I don't know if I would eat myself. If I was a hot dog, I'd probably just starve it out or try to find a different food source. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think I'd do it anyway. I, I really, hot dogs, I, I quite enjoy. <laughs> Rippy is officially Kirktown. Heard from a UK Protoss. Who is Rippy? I think that means Richie. Oh, Richie. Got it. Okay, Richie. Just a typo I or think, something. Yeah, I, yeah. I speak fluent Dave Tester, so... <laughs> I think that's what he means. <laughs> Damn. Oh, look at this. I got a level one hype train emote. Thank you, everybody, for that super appreciative it looks like a little like squirtle with like a tooth or, a, or like a nose ring this is cool 
Is that like a shiny Squirtle though? Because it's the wrong color, I think. I don't think they could I do. Think. I think maybe Pokemon would Pokemon would sue if it was a uh, exactly that, but a variation yeah. of it. <laughs> they can just claim it's just a turtle, then I guess. Yeah. Okay. So that that appears to be every. I think I've answered. You you've answered all the questions in chat. Um, so now we're gonna just do the outro here. This is your chance, uh, Chelch, to just plug your socials, plug your stream. The floor is yours. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I imagine that a lot of the people here have already seen my stream, but it's uh, very simple, twitch.tv slash chelch. And my Twitter, pretty much the same, twitter.com forward slash chelch1. Uh, because somebody apparently got chelch before me. All right, well, there's yeah, the... those are the only socials. Other than that, I'm on Discord as chelch hashtag six four nine three it never really came up but i do free coaching as well um so if there's anybody that wants any process help you can always add me on discord and i'll always be willing to do that wow freak I, I don't i don't remember the last time i've heard of free coaching especially from like a, a high level player so that's anybody out there that I, plays protoss that's a gold mine right there I mean, I got so much help, you know, over the years from people. So I always try and do as much free coaching as I can. That's kind of my view on it. You know, try and get as many people into the game as you can. Wow. Cobblestone saying, I skipped a question. Uh, what is your worst sleep schedule ever? Uh, well, it is currently 26 minutes past seven in the morning. And I've been on a podcast for the last two and a half hours. So you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I might have broken that record. Uh, again, very grateful for you to be on the podcast and considering the massive time zone difference between West Coast, North America, and uh, UK. Thank you. Thank you so much, Telch. Thank you. No, don't worry. I, I was this much of a degenerate anyway. Like Whether I was on this podcast or not, I'd have been awake now. Okay. So those are all the, uh, the links for Chelch. Uh, I'm going to take a look here at the StarCraft II uh, list to see who's streaming. Uh, I'd like to support fellow, like, grassroots folks. All right. I've got my friend here, uh, my good friend, Sensation. He's still streaming, it looks like. Or he started his stream up again. Uh, he's a Diamond League Terran player. So, uh, again, this is the Grassroots StarCraft 2 podcast, Episode 9 with Chelch. Uh, Masters 1 Protoss, streamer from the UK. Thank you for coming on. And the podcast, uh, for folks that are live that missed the entire podcast and want to listen to the whole thing again, the VOD will be on my YouTube channel. Um, the links are in my, uh, my my Twitch page here. I think it's at, P at it's PCH. That's my YouTube ID now. Uh, it'll be on all major podcast platforms. I'll have all of Chelch's links, uh, the Chelch Maneuver in the show notes for the podcast. So even if you're listening to the podcast, you can check that all out. Yeah, thank you again, Chelch, for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This was fun. Thank you, chat. And let's head over to uh, Sensation now for the raid. Thank you for the raid, uh, Chicken Man, and for all the subs. Take care, everyone. All right.
Streamlabs it. It's just oh, rated <laughs> yep. 17 viewers. It's rated. Uh, the stream is off now. Wes is the best. That was an Wes excellent. For you. I'm that was an excellent episode, man. Thank you. Yo, PCH, dude. Thanks for the raid, bro. Yeah, I had a lot of fun, man. That was great. Great interview. I was watching it.